listening to the bomb hole. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. The bomb hole. Gonna slide down in big hills. You know what I mean? On the big, nice burgundy snowboard. Okay, here we go again. We're back in the booth at the bomb hole, presented by Wild Mike's Pizza, Pub Beer, and Solomon. Now, to my left, we have Mr. Jed Anderson in the booth. Jed, what's happening? Chilling. How you doing? Not too bad. Uh, I know you've been wanting to uh, kind of intro Buds. We've been Stony hanging. Buds, how are we doing? <laughs> so good, my dog. Love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> you got it dialed. We've, uh, so I've been spending some time with Jed. We just went on a little backcountry trip here in uh, Utah, and he just kept saying, uh, Stony Buds, how are we doing? <laughs> we are back at the bomb hole. Stony Buds, how are you doing? We are back. We are back at the bomb hole. <laughs> so uh, Latex. Let's talk about uh, what just happened on this on this trip. Uh, I know your cheeks took a kind of a beating, you could say. Cheeks got clapped, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm just out here in Utah and in Idaho um, doing a backcountry trip, the first one in a pretty long time with uh, Nick Baden, Jared Elston. Tommy came out for a bit. You came out for a bit. But, yeah, just trying to, like, figure that shit out again and learn the ropes again. And yeah, it's just gnarly. But yeah, basically, I just landed on a tree on a jump and kind of clapped the cheeks. And what else? What do you mean, what else? You hit the cheeks and another part of your body. Oh, also the taint, the gooch, the taint got murked. <laughs> yeah, the taint yeah. got murked. I was. It's scary. It's mad bruised, and uh, went to the clinic yesterday. Everything's in working order. So. I and mean, then you basically had to show the nurse your your uh, your butt cheeks, right? And a little more, yeah. But I was kind of tripping before I went in. I don't know. It's always, like, uncomfortable, that, like, idea, like, oh, I'm just about to have to, like, get naked and show this random person this area that's pretty disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> the worst is when they try to fondle your nuts, man. That's always uncomfortable. She fondled a bit. She did. Yeah, did she bit. Make always you, uncomfortable. I don't know if women know this. Shrinkage. When they, but you, when you, uh, they, you get a physical, they feel your ball sack, and then they make you cough. Yeah. Did she make you? Did she make you cough? No, nothing like that. It was just like it's just in an area that's not hard to get or not easy to get to. Sorry, um, but no, it was chill. I mean, they see crazy so, shit. So what's going on? Everything all good in that department? Should I show? Well, I mean, yeah. not the, not the gooch, but the ass cheek. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like a pretty yeah. yeah show the bruise. It's a pretty bruise. like yeah, good. Show uh, the bruise. Uh, where do I point this thing? Uh, you can point it's it at there. the camera that faces you there. Um, He's about to, uh, for the listeners, he's, he's big, got a very... Big, big burgundy butt cheek. Yes. He's got a black and blue butt cheek. <laughs> and that's what we call paying the cost to be the boss. That looks painful, dude. Yeah. I, it was just like, I don't know. I don't, I've never been injured there, so it's just like, I don't know. I was reading all this sketchy stuff. I think like Windsor James like broke his urethra or something, like, in a, like sacking his board or something. So I was just like trying to read shit about it, and I was like, oh my god. This could be pretty bad, but luckily I think it's all all good. And I've heard of people having to get them drained. Yeah, when they get too drain bad, drain taint, drain the no drain the <laughs> oh. drain the blood because it pools up and gets all stagnant in there. Yeah, sketchy. Okay, well uh, now that we we covered the we had a little taint talk. I think we taint should talk. throw it back to uh, the Cal Calgary roots. Mm -hmm. um, let's give a shout out to your mom Beth. Yeah, let's give a shout out to the whole family, the whole Anderson squad. Jared, your dad, uh, you got a little 
nephew now? I have a nephew and a niece. Oliver is the nephew and my niece, Indy. Uncle Latex, is that Uncle what they Latex, yeah. Uncle Jed, <laughs> best job ever. Yeah, you were, pretty ta- awesome. you were describing uh, unclehood mm-hmm. and you had, you had it pretty well de- uh, depicted. I mean, it's probably the same for every uncle, right? It's just like, come kick it, bring them like treats and gifts. And then when they start to get too crazy, you're just like, yo. I'm out. Yeah. Just nice give them back. You guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you get to be super cool to them. And yeah, that, I mean, yeah. I just want to, that's, I just want to be that like movie style uncle where they're like, Uncle Jed is sick. Like, exactly. I want to kick it with Uncle Jed. <laughs> like, and he once they're have, too he much, have any rules. hand them over. <laughs> yeah. So, growing up in Calgary, uh, a lot of people don't know, you know, you grew up doing contests, and your mom has this organization called Riders on Board, Mm -hmm. which kicks ass. Um, Yeah. So, you kind of grew up in this whole snowboard family, basically, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, my brother and I started snowboarding when we were, he's five years older than me. I think I started when I was five or six, so he was around 10 years old. He started a little bit before me, started doing lessons, and obviously, just being the younger brother. I just wanted to imitate him. Started snowboarding as well. It's pretty new for the whole family, but we got into it pretty quick and like started doing contests and there was like snowboard clubs and stuff at that time, but there wasn't really anything that I think my parents really like fit what we were, what they saw for us and like kind of like how we were as kids. So yeah, they started riders on board, which is basically a snowboard club. Um, It's like a program and yeah, they've been going. I think over twenty years now. I think it's like one of. The, I think it's the longest running snowboard club in Canada. But it's pretty cool. It's like not a traditional. I mean, it's traditional in the sense where like there is like coaching aspect and everything like that. But it's more of a like curating. Uh, I don't know how to say it really, but just curating like a what is the word I'm looking for? It's an environment that's exactly curating an environment that's fun and safe and you get to meet other kids that are into the same shit and that are passionate about snowboarding. And it's not so much of uh, you know, a lot of parents get involved and they're very Olympic focused or X games focused. And it's not so much about that. It's more about trying to create a fun environment and a safe environment where I don't know for me and you and a lot of our friends, snowboarding and skateboarding was such an escape from whatever. It's just like, we didn't necessarily want to have those, coaches and those people telling us what to do where with riders on board I feel like it's more of a just like a safe space for people to come and chill and like have the opportunity to still do the contests and go to the mountains have the ride to get to the mountains and have those like older people that the parents can have trust in and yeah, it's pretty awesome. The, the the good example, by the way, uh, spoke with Beth this morning. Oh no she, way! She's in Costa Rica. <laughs> it was like a weird ring, you know, in the sound, it makes a weird yeah, yeah, sound yeah. when you call somebody. And she's like, "Hey, Chris, I'm driving through the jungle in Costa Rica right now." Yeah, and we caught up forever. But the, a good example to me of why riders on board is really cool is like if you were to take uh, a standard issue snowboard school or program, it's like you said, Olympic focused, it's usually built around like ski racers and you got to do like box jumps and all this like weird corny shit. But like, for example, riders on board, you guys have a skate park with like graffiti walls and mm-hmm. it's like more of a space for, for mentorship as opposed to like, like parents that just want their son to have a Olympic medal at all costs, you know? And yeah, I think unfortunately a lot of times with, um, sports that involve a lot of money, like snowboarding is up there as well as the hockey and things. It's a lot of times that the feel it's like, the parents' dream 
rather than the kids a lot of the time. It's like they want that credential of like, oh, my kids went to the Olympics or like my kids doing this shit, even if, and like maybe the kid's not even enjoying it, which I think is pretty whack. So I think just to have a space where to just let the kid like go and be with his friends and like, yeah, if they want to do that contest thing, like that's cool. If they want to film, like, like I came out of that, I I was in that program for a bit, like Riders on Board, and then Kennedy was in the Riders on Board. Kennedy Deck. JJ and Finn. Like, there's a lot of cool kids that have come out of it, and, like, yeah, none of us are obviously in the Olympics or X Games, but that's still there if you want to do it. It's more so just a place to grow and kind of have, like, that that freedom rather than... I don't know, yeah, sometimes I just feel parents get really involved and just want to, like, I don't know, control shit. Dude, you you see it all the time in all sports, but like yeah. the, you know the it's it's what it is is like the child becomes a extension of the parents' ego, like they get to you know live the glory days that they never made it, and their kid, mm-hmm. and it's like the kid they burn out or they don't like it or they're not doing it for themselves. Uh, but the thing that I find to be really cool is like you you're like a street snowboarder, right? The Jeds, you you know put you in that category, but you're. You know, Kuzik described it as classically trained. Like, you grew up riding for Burton. Let's talk about phase one of Jet. It's like you grew up riding for Burton and doing contests. And you had a big old... I remember when I met you, you wore a helmet that in big, bold letters that said J-E-D across the helmet. Yeah, it was pretty fresh. It was like <laughs> some like airbrush artist, some local airbrush artist just, like, hooked it up. Uh, he did, like, hockey goalie helmets and stuff. I don't know. It was pretty dope. So swag. Yeah, it was pretty... Fresh, I didn't even know you rode for Burton. That's that's yeah. It. When I was really young, so I think I don't know. My memory is bad with this stuff, but when I was pretty young, I got on this shop called The Source in from Calgary, which like give an air horn to like Mark and Dave because they definitely helped me out as a young kid. And I'm not sure what how exactly it happened, but I got I think I got on like Rep Burton like as like a little like P13. It was called. There was like this young group of kids, and it was like me, Luke Matroni. Mikel Bang. I, there was some other... Like, I think Jack was probably a part of it. So, like, all these kids. And, like, I went to Vermont when I was pretty young. So, yeah. I was doing, like, contests. Like, would do go to the U.S. Open and stuff. And also, yeah, uh, thanks to my mom for, like, bringing me to the States and realizing that's important at that time. But I'm kind of trailing all over the place here. But, uh, oh, you're doing great. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, when I was young, I was just doing a lot of contests. And I didn't even though filming was, like, a thing. And it kind of wasn't at that point. Like, at least for younger people, for sure it wasn't. Like, I don't even know what videos would have been out around that time, but the whole video thing wasn't really as accessible as a career path, especially as a person who's young. It was more so you did the contest, and, like, that's how you became a professional snowboarder. Well, I think it's way more important to get good when you're young and just fucking... Just get good. It's so much easier to learn tricks and progress when you're five than it is when you're 35. No fear. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, and when you were a kid, you were like flipping off of everything. I talked to Jared, your brother, briefly, and he's like, he's like, Jed used to just do flips all the time on everything. He said that uh, you had a brief stint uh, blading as well. Yeah, for sure. Like before skating or snowboarding, I think I was blading. Respect. <laughs> Yo, I was just fucking, I love BMXing. I love rollerblading i love mountain biking i loved like the playground at lunch like i was just like we'd like build up this like huge pile of gravel next to the monkey bars and just like spin off the monkey bars like into the pile of gravel i just like 
I think I was just a kid who had a lot of energy and I just like love fucking around and like just trying to get crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Just doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh one one story I was I was kind of talking to Beth trying to uh pry some stuff out of her. I'm like, "How can I throw Jed under the bus?" And uh she told a story about how when you were young you used to go to all these contests and you snowboarded so long you actually didn't you actually shit your pants. Oh yeah, I remember this so vividly. <laughs> You just didn't want to go in? <laughs> it was at Sunshine Village, this resort in Alberta. Um, I don't know how old I would have been, but yeah, I was just snowboarding and snowboarding. And I don't know. Obviously, when you're younger, you're timing. You like can't really be like, oh, like I should probably shit. Like, <laughs> it was like a good learning experience, mm-hmm. you know? Like, okay, so now I know this is my threshold. Like, But I remember, yeah, I shit my pants for sure. <laughs> I was like eight or something. <laughs> So whack too, like long johns, snow pants, snowboard boots. Like, bro, my mom. It's a mess. Fucking had to help me out with that for sure. Shout out to all those moms that deal with all that and yeah, dads. Yeah, for sure. Um, so then, yeah, around that time, you're then you switched over to forum, mm-hmm. and you cruise around the forum guys. But um, to kind of like jump forward, it seemed like the 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 early days of you know we'll call bobblehead Jed is phase one. Okay. Um, the young bobblehead, and you're doing flips everywhere. And then at what point were you like, you know, it's start starting to be more drawn to the video stuff? Well, yeah. So I got on form. And like I said, I don't even know how this happened, really. I think. What was his name? You're on the Youngblood program. I like, was I was on Burton. And then there's a I think his name's Dan McNamara. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, I think, went or his wife worked for Burton. Yolanda, I believe her name was. And uh think he was going to work for genius or startup genius and so he kind of brought a couple of us over to the form program so yeah i was on that for a couple years and i was like yo form is so sick like i had seen the resistance i think was i think this was even pre-true life or maybe around true lifetime but yeah so i was still pretty young like i think i was like 11 12 13 around there but basically what happened is i still didn't know the video thing was like a route to take and I was on form at the time. And I kind of that age where I'm starting to think about how I'm dressing and how I'm looking a little bit. And not just like, because when you're younger, it's just like your parents are like, we're going snowboarding. And it's like, I don't fucking think about like anything. I'm just like, those are my snow. Like, I'm just like going. And then you start to have that, you start to click things together. Like, oh, people like look different and snowboard different. And like, oh, this dude's cool for this reason. This cool dude's cool for that reason. And around all around the same time, I remember I got or the videos I was watching a lot was Love Hate and Moment of Truth, and those two videos I just watched so much and Lame as well, uh, and I was just blown away. I was like, "This is like what I want to do." Like you see so much personality, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like all that introduced me to so much music, and I was just like, "How do I do that?" And at that time, I was on. Form and Special Blend, and they were sending me, like, boxes of crazy gear. Looking back at it now, I'm like, oh, this gear is, like, kind of, like, for the, it's, like, a time capsule piece, you know? Like, crazy Special Blend gear. But for me at that time, I was watching Love, Hate or something. I'm like, I don't want to fucking wear this shit. Like, this sucks. Like, I want to look like Daryl or Hebel or, like, Maddie Ryan or something, you know? So it was just kind of, like, got to a point where I was made that, kind of had to make that decision. I think a contract was up. They didn't want, I remember a huge part of it too. They didn't want my mom to travel with me anymore. They didn't want a chaperone traveling with me anymore. 
I think I was only like 13. So I think that was also like my parents were like, eh, like, I don't know if that's such a good idea. This is like the era of Bozong and everyone's like going pretty hard. I mean, that shit kind of flew over my head at the time, but looking back and like, I'm like, yeah, they'd made the right decision with that. Like I, if I had a 13 year old, I probably wouldn't let them go either. Send them out with Bozong, 13 year old. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so like, like huge, like I'm super thankful for my parents for like kind of like holding their foot down with that. Cause to me, I was like, it was a super hard decision for me because I had to say no to this contract or whatever, which no, meant no boxes showing up anymore. What kind of bisque we talking at age 12? Dude, I knew you were going to ask this shit, and I, like, I fucking don't know. Because, like, <laughs> my parents were just, like, helping But there me. was money. There was money. Yeah. There was money, for so sure. At what age have you been, like, getting paid to snowboard? That's an interesting question. Dude, probably mad young. Like, I think, I mean, there's been different periods, but, uh, like, I think I was getting, yeah, I got, like, a contract when I was, like, 11 or something, you know? Holy shit. And the thing that's crazy about conventional wow. sports, like, like LeBron contractually, if you're if you're going to school, you can't be paid. That's true. For, yeah. like, basketball or football. So that's one thing about snowboarding is, like, you can you can start getting paid at 11. Or motocross, you know, certain sports like that you can. But anyway, so not to but derail. Like, for, like, I didn't even, I didn't think about money at all. Like, I didn't even, like, take that in. It was more so about, like, getting, like, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get any, like, snowboards that show up because like, like when that shit happens when you're that young still even when that shit happens i'm like fuck yeah but it's like christmas as a kid for sure a forum box when a you're 11 bo- holy yeah. shit yeah. i mean it still feels great to get a box oh, at, it feels amazing age, and right? i you're appreciate like, it still but like <laughs> at that age it's like i knew that saying no to this or like that that's ending that that meant that the boxes were ending i'm not gonna go travel on these trips i'm not gonna like do all this shit but it was definitely the right decision so once I kind of accepted that, that that part was over, it was like, oh, I can just do whatever I want now. Like, I can wear whatever I want. I can kind of try to figure out who I am or how I want my snowboarding to look, which I've definitely had a lot of phases. Um, but to have that freedom at that age was really important, I think. Um, just to be able to, like, try to... It's so fucking young. Like, you have to try have those that age to emulate, like, your heroes. And, like, when you have a contract saying this is your outfit, this is what you have to wear, it's, like, really, I don't know, I think it's kind of fucked up. True, but it also, you know, to every other kid in the world, if your forum at that time is the elite brand, mm-hmm. and so if, you, if you're if you walking away from a contract from, like, one of the dopest, if not the dopest brand at that time, to go wear what you want, it's, like, I feel like most other people would cling on for dear life for that contract. Was it you your know? decision or your mom's decision to that you couldn't do it because of the age thing and the chaperone? I think it was both of our decisions. Like she expressed to me that she wasn't comfortable with, or both my parents expressed to like, and I'm sure it's something that I think it was something that we could have worked out. But it was also, I remember them explaining to me, cause I was complaining a lot. Cause like some crazy gear would show them and I'd be like, I don't want to wear this. And like, they explained to me like, you signed a contract. Like this is something that is a part of it. If you want to mm-hmm. do this. And at that age, I think we all just kind of knew like, this is kind of just like, dumb like, yeah you're so just, young like snowboarding is going to be there like i'm going to continue to snowboard like there's so much time like i don't need to be treating it as a job so early and forced into wearing something and i was like, getting pretty over like contests at that time too so it was just time for me to like figure some shit out that's cool Dude, one thing that's really fascinating about this time too um is that i mean we started filming 
I don't know, you're probably 17 when we started hanging out a lot. 15, or you're, 16, 15 or 16. Yeah, so yeah. we, but ever since that time from when I've met you until mid 20s, it seemed like you never drank, you know, you're around all this partying all the time. And two parts to this question is like, A, why did you not drink and get fucked up? And B, it almost, how did you act like you were fucked up? Like you would, you would party harder than people that were fucked up. He's like party sober guy. I think I was just, I had a group of friends and we were all kind of on that tip of like not drinking, but I think I was really scared to lose what I had. Um, And growing into a teenager, it's like, I saw, I'm not going to name names, but I saw a lot of people I looked up to kind of blow it. And I was, I mean, my parents definitely talked to me about it a bit and like, you have like an opportunity here and like, there's a lot of kids that wish they had this opportunity to like do the things that you're doing and they're waiting for you, your downfall pretty much. So I think I was just like, I really wanted to have a, a good foundation and I, I wanted to like be able to be myself without that as well. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think about it a lot. Like, I don't know if it was like the right or wrong decision, but um, I think it helped me stay focused on what was important at that time. It, it's uh, interesting because I think about the other person that did that. That was a big inspiration to me. I remember being at a party, being super fucked up. I may have talked about this on the air. Sorry if I'm repeating myself. But um, I was at a party with Pat Moore. You know, he's a foreign young blood, and I was shit-faced. I was probably like 17 or I don't know how old I was. But he was the same age as me, roughly. He's like a year older. And he was on like in the forum video and vi- video games doing Cab Nine Noses, and he's at a party sober. And I'm sitting there cross-eyed, and uh, <laughs> it just was interesting. Like, hey, you see a lot of younger people that have done really, really well when they're when they're at that 18 year old. They they start getting these opportunities, to, like fucking do something with it, don't blow it. Because a lot of people blow it, for sure. And don't get me wrong, like I had, I started drinking and doing that stuff like later on, but and I think that was important to do as well. I think it's just knowing the timing and like seizing the opportunities that you have, and like maybe being like okay, this isn't the time to party or, like, experiment with this shit. And I don't know, like, I think it's good that I, like, got fucked up and, like, puked and, like, you have those experiences. If you don't, if you don't, that's super sick too, but it's, like, I don't know. I think I'm I'm just a curious person and, like, I want to experience shit too. So it's just, like, I just knew at that time it was, like, such, I was so ripe and, like, so new in snowboarding and, like, I didn't have any sort of like legacy. I didn't have a video. I didn't even have a video part yet. I was like, that's all I cared about. I was just like, I just want to film like some video parts. I don't give a shit about like partying or drinking. Well, this is a good segue for our guest question, which is presented by Solomon. The first guest question is from Videograss owner, champion, and A grade human, Justin Meyer. What's up, Bombhole? East Stone, Grenier, how you guys doing? Jed, glad you're on the show. I wanted to hear from you how it was as a little kid traveling from Calgary to Big Bear to stay with some random people you'd never met to film a web video. And shout-outs to Beth for letting her son go to another country to chase his dreams. Anyways, tell us how it went from there, and uh, I think that's a cool story. You're the shit. Later, dude. (laughs) <laughs> love Meyer. I owe a lot to Meyer. So what happened on that trip flying out with random people from Calgary to Bear? 
Well, it wasn't necessarily random people because um, I was going to stay with Johnny Miller, who I knew from being on Air Blaster at the time. And during that era, like I, you remember Sunday in the Park was like a huge thing. It's not how it is now where there's so much content coming out. It was like once a week there was this really sick park edit of new people that maybe you hadn't heard of that are really talented and kind of was an opportunity to showcase, I don't know, new new people. And I really wanted just to I didn't even care about Sunday in the Park, but I just really wanted to go and ride bear because at that time it was like there was nowhere else that looked like it. It was just, I heard my I heard from other people like it's just a skate park basically from top to bottom. It's just rails everywhere. There's jumps everywhere. The entire run is a snowboard park. Uh, that sounds so fun. Sounds crazy. And I knew that Johnny lived there, so I hit him up and I was like, "Can I come stay with you for a week or two and just ride bear?" I didn't know that Meyer lived with Johnny, who made Sunday in the Parks. And he wasn't there for, like, the first week I was there, so I was just riding with Johnny. And then he got back. I kind of like started putting it together, obviously. Or he, Johnny said to me when we were there, I was like, oh, yeah, like, my roommate, Meyer, like, does Sunday in the Park. And I remember, like, be, staying in a room, like, right by where he edited it. Edited it? <laughs> How am I saying? <laughs> where he edited the videos. And I saw all the titles, like, hand-drawn, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, I recognize, like, what's going on here. And it's, like, mad, like, fool's names written out in Meyer's way. So when he came back, he asked me if I wanted to go film for a Sunday in the Park, and I was just like, yes, let's get it. Like, this is so sick. Like, this is, I'm going to be on one of these edits. Like, this is going to be so fresh. And That was kind of phase two of Jed, because... That was the beginning of phase two of Jed because at that point, I think you were riding roam boards mm -hmm. and you were wearing tight pants. You know, you come from special blend Skittle fucking outfit. Yeah. To, and uh, it seemed like it was just like, all right, I'm going to unload and just beat this park down, which is how I remember watching that Sunday in the Park edit. Yeah, and I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit because between – there's a bit of a story between the special blend and that park edit. Like – I'm watching those videos, Love Hate, Moment of Truth, Burning Bridges, like One Love. Like I watched Tech Nine videos a lot, and I watched the Robot Food videos a lot, and I watched the Kids Know videos a lot. Like those are what I'd go through. And I have a friend, Graham Foy, we should probably air horn. I remember him from back in the day. <laughs> yeah. He started filming and he snowboarded as well, but he started making little videos, and I was like, oh, I want to film with Graham. Like I want to film a part with Graham. So I would just go to COP all the time, try to learn tricks. I lived on a hill with a park across the street from my house, so I got a rail built, and I would just go learn tricks and try to film stuff, and I got on Air Blaster, and that's kind of how the Johnny Miller connection happened. Got it. Air Blaster, Johnny Miller. And the tight pants, Rome, all that shit. Like I was just like trying to figure out what I was rocking with. And you guys were the cheese dicks at that point. I remember you guys writing that on everything. Yeah, yeah. We had a, me and that was me, the crew cheese dick. Yeah, me, me and Graham and some of our friends uh, had a crew called Cheese Dicks, and we were just like, yeah, fucking around. Like, I don't know. I was watching like also huge influence was like Baker Three and like Pigwood Slaughterhouse. Like I was just watching like Baca and like all these like I was really relating with like the Hesh dudes at that point, and I was just like, damn, like. This shit is really sick. And I was like bobbleheading around with like hella tight pants and like <laughs> just but I, I really like starting to focus on 
what tricks were happening and staying up to date with like the what you needed to do to be a rail snowboarder and just trying striving to like be that pinnacle i was like really like obsessed with that and so yeah when i went to bear and got the opportunity to film for sunday in the park i was like i have to snap like i need to go like in and that was your which, chance to really shine yeah. and have relevant tricks and we felt like the like my first time where i'm like a bunch of people are gonna see this so yeah, I remember watching it and being like, who the fuck is this kid? I remember seeing him as a little bobblehead at the U.S. Open. Next time I see him, he's just like doing all the new tricks that nobody's done. You know, we were it, that had a profound effect on snowboarding because those those old like Sunday in the parks would get like hundreds of thousands of views. Everybody comment section them. was yeah. going like off. Yeah. It wasn't there's nothing like that anymore. But it was just so much diluted content now. Buds, I think yeah. it might be time to uh, hit that thing that pays the bills real quick let's do it let's get into our breakout moment presented by our friends over at 10 barrel and pub beer pub beer supports us you should support them their tagline is cheap fun beer now jed before snowboarding became a big serious career back when it was cheap and fun do you have a memorable breakout moment yeah this story that i was just talking about pretty much ties into that breakout moment so from that Sunday in the park, I think it, yeah, they, those came out on Sunday. They'd usually film for it for the week, and it came out on Sunday. And uh, it was, they are filming these days at the time. Joe Carlino was filming these days. Joe and Justin Meyer were friends. And Nick Dirks was also filming for these days, who was also on Air Blaster. So all this stuff kind of just tied in together. Like, I had known Nick a little bit. Joe knew Justin. The Sunday in the park came out. And they needed someone else to come on a trip to Quebec. And Joe hit up Justin and was like, yo, who's, like, what's up with this kid? Like, Nick says he knows him. Would he want to come up to Quebec and try to film some clips for the new Transworld video? And Justin told me that, and I was like, dude, it almost makes me emotional. I was, like, tripping. I was like, this is, like, all I want to do. Like, and... Yeah, that's like definitely the breakout moment because I got, I went to go there and it was like the Sunday in the park mentality again. I was like, I'm gonna fucking like, I want to like get like good ass clips, and like, I don't want to like blow this. Like I want to like, and dude, that trip was crazy. Show up, Jonas Mitchellot. I don't know how to. I still don't know how to say his name. That sounds after about like right. All these that's years. about right. Jared Hottie, Nick Dirks, Joe Carlino, um, and Luif. And Luif, like, no one really knew about Luif yet either. But I had seen Bandwagon that previous year, I think it was. So I know who I knew who Luif was, was, and I knew who Laurent was, who I knew as LNP. And I was around all these people, and I was like, I can't even explain it. It was like... Yeah, it's all you wanted, right? Yeah. You're 15? I think I was like, yeah, 15, 14 or 15. Yeah, this is your big, big chance. Dude, it was crazy. And I, I remember fanning out on Laurent so crazy and him getting all weirded out because, like... <laughs> We met up with him. Dude, I remember it so clearly. We were we went to get Subway, and we met Laurent there, and I was just like, oh, my God, like that's Laurent. And I was, like, checking his gear, and I was like, yo, those are the pants, like, from his video part. And I, and I think that was, like, the first thing I said to him. I was like, yo, like, you wore those, like, in, I think it was, like, in bandwagon or whatever, and he was just like, what? Like, <laughs> Yeah. I was what's he was what's stoked. I'm what's sure. this kid's fucking deal, man? <laughs> no, I was tripping. I don't know if this like even comes across like. No, it does. It's really yeah, cool to no, hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and when you showed up, I, like the thing 
for me that was memorable is you got to the down flat ledge in Quebec City and basically did some shit that I'd never seen anybody do in the streets mm-hmm. and just snapped. Like, he just beat everything down in sight, right, when you got there? Tried to. I was just trying. I didn't – I'd only filmed with Graham at that point. But I was – I knew that, like – like, my first skateboard video was a trans world video. Like, I knew trans world video – trans world was, like, a big deal. Mm-hmm. I was like, I – this is, like, a re- – if I want to do this, like, this is the time to, like – really try to do it people are gonna see it yeah it's trans world time to show up yeah yeah and if there was ever up. a time this is the time exactly yeah so i think yeah that's like the breakout and then you know let's just keep it moving on this trajectory because this time this is where our paths kind of cross is mm-hmm. that you you film this these days it was like a half part mm-hmm. right and and it was fucking banger we'll probably cue the clips up on the screen as we're talking about this stuff and then um after that was the following year was get real yeah, and uh, I think right before that, you and I both got signed to Solomon. Mm-hmm. Shouts to Hav. Big shout out to Hava. And uh, yeah, what was how did that whole thing kind of come come along for you? Getting signed to Solomon, getting asked to do Transworld video and all that. Well, I think at that time with the Transworld Snowboard videos, what they would do is kind of whoever had guest clips in the previous video, they'd kind sometimes kind of bring them on to the crew the next year. So Joe, after that trip, I think that coming summer or fall, he's like, is this something you want to do? Would you want to like try to film a full part for the next video? Can you say it in his voice how he'd actually say it? <laughs> I can. He'd be like, ah, Jad, let's get you in the vet next year. <laughs> More like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and yeah, so, and at that point, like that video came out. So I once again had sponsors kind of contacting me or a company contacting me being like, and it had been a few years since that had happened, so I had a few different options at the time. And after hanging out with, like, Lewif, and I had met... I think I met Chris at Hood, mm-hmm. and he was doing Solomon, and I met Hava, and I was, I was talking to, I think, a Rome, Capita, and Solomon. And Solomon wasn't that dope at the time. Like It was a rebuild. It yeah, was a Hava rebuild. kind of built that Rebuild situation. Up. It was still pretty, like, blah... And like, but it, 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 I, it was also a good opportunity. Like I could, I could kind of see what they're doing. And I was like, Chris is dope. Luif is dope. Like I'm going to get to have a say in things. And it just seemed like a cool opportunity to be a part of something new rather than to join things that are already really cool at that time. So yeah, that's kind of. So my experience hopping on this thing with Jed was, this was my first major film too. Mm. And we were both two hungry, hungry hippos. Jed was a few years younger than me at the time. And I remember, like, this is such a trip because, you know, we, we go on our first trip. Dude, I remember, like, now that I'm, it's all coming back, thinking about it, it's kind of fun. But, like, November, it, we went on, before Thanksgiving, I had a handful of clips. I think you were sitting on, like, 12 clips before Thanksgiving or some shit. Or like, Yeah, we went. I remember we went to Ohio and we went to upstate New York. But one thing that was so notable for, for me is I had never seen anybody Still to this day, I think there's nobody that would argue me on this, that you get more tricks per trip than anybody I've ever seen st- still or I've ever snowboarded with. Like, if you, an average film trip, for a lot of people listening, they don't necessarily understand what a snowboard film trip entails. And it's like, you show up to a new city, you're there for, like, let's say two weeks, and, you know, the average person you know, probably gets five. Yeah, I was going to say four or five. And, you know, Jed oftentimes is leaving with 
usually more like 12 or something like that on an, on, especially drop and ramp down bar days, you know? Yeah. And, those days for sure. And I remember you it was just unbelievable. The stack you had that year. And yeah, like you said, it was drop and ramp down bar years. So it was, it was different. It was a different game at that point. It was, you could go to a down bar and do five tricks and that's five clips. You know, it's not now where I'm more selective of, what it is that I'm hitting or what tricks that I'm doing. So it was definitely easier to stack at that point. And the expectation and the level of riding was completely different. But I think, yeah, it was just, we were both horny. <laughs> we were just both <laughs> mad horny to get clips. So like, and we both knew, we both knew that it was a crazy opportunity and we didn't want to like, we wanted to seize the moment and I get re- it. I remember like uh, Latex was like putting on for his fucking city out there. And I was like, <laughs> I need to, I need to like, Made level, you step I need up. to level up so I don't look like a fucking idiot next to this guy. <laughs> but that was there's so many fun trips. Um Calgary. I remember like dude and dude, mind you, Jed is still such a punk kid at this point. How old are you think? Seventeen or sixteen? Yeah. I think I was like fifteen. Yeah. Sixteen. Sixteen. S- sixteen. He had, I remember you were like drawing um like you had a notebook. You've always been a doodler, which we can maybe talk about later. But I remember you had you just got like this Volvo, and we would just be driving down the streets, like running over all the trash cans in Calgary, like <laughs> trash exploding, breaking the side view mirror. We had Robbie <laughs> Cell on this one trip. Poor, like like Jed tortured Robbie Cell. Like at one point we were in this like this fucking he like did, we were fucking with him, and he was just doing donuts in the snow around Robbie Cell forever, <laughs> like driving around him in circles or something. I think he just sat down and <laughs> he gave just up. Sat- he was stuck in the center. I think it was one of those, like, one of those things where he was trying to, he went, walked up to try to get in the car, and I just started doing circles around him slowly, and then I started going around him real fast, and then he just sat down and was so bummed. Yeah, Jed's awesome. obviously in the car dying. I don't know, pretty, Jed, pretty whack move, but pretty funny. He pulled the classic move, like, right when you try to go get in the door, he takes off. Yeah, and then just kept circling. <laughs> but it, That's I was, awesome. Yeah, having a car, too, that was so crazy. Let's probably throw Robbie a little air, air horn. Yeah, let's throw him an air horn. He actually got some amazing photos on that trip. Um, So, you know, we have so much shit to cover, but I, I know. W- one thing that to keep it moving is that you have, if you think about, so you ended up getting last part in Get Real, and then you, the next video is shoot, or I think it's Bon Voyage last part, and then shoot the moon last part. Basically, like that coming on the scene, dude, you just blew the fucking doors let off me, the scene. Let me do a quick Patreon question about what you're talking okay, about. Okay, let's hit it. Um, your part in Shoot the Moon, this is from Rob Z, by the way. Your Rob part Rob in Z. Shoot the Moon is timeless. How long were you stacking clips, and what made you decide to use Fade Into You by Mazzy Star for it? Great song. Sick song choice for such a banger part. Shouts to Chris's part, too, in Shoot the Moon. Oh, thank you. There's a lot of unpacking to do. <laughs> but, no, basically, I think we just filmed one season for that. I think it was just one season that we filmed for Shoot the Moon. And the other question was the Mazzy Star song. I don't know. I think I just, I think I probably stole it from a skate video, a different track from by Mazzy Star. I didn't know who Mazzy Star was, but uh, just lurked her music. And I was like, damn, this would be pretty fresh if I have footy that's like heavy enough for that. For that track. Yeah. If you're listening to that track, you know you got, if you're like, I want to use Mazzy Star. You know in your head, if you have the song and you know it's an epic song, epic is a shitty word. But anyway, um, if you, like, you know you got to get A grades. Do you think like that? Like, I have the song, I got to get the A grades to fill it? For sure, and especially the way videos were being edited at that point, there's a lot of 
it was kind of like heavier epic songs in skateboarding as well a lot of ramping and like so i was just attracted to that yeah. kind of slow banger song get some emotion in the video part and Exactly. So one around this uh, shoot the moon year, the one of my favorite stories of all time. Uh, I was with you on this trip to Montreal, and I believe I kind of fact checked this last night to make sure it was all right. But we were on this trip to Montreal, and at this point, it was like you, me, you, Meyer, I think Bob Plum. I don't remember who was with us, but um, Meyer had heard from Cooley that basically there was this other crew, like kind of I don't know if it was people at that point, but it was. It was like Jeremy, it was JP, Walker, and Sexton. They were talking shit on your snowboarding saying you only hit small stuff. Mm. And then you fucking snapped and proceeded. Once Once Jed heard this, Buds, he set it up like this rail that had like a 30-foot drop. Like he just started hitting. <laughs> like next three spots were just psycho shit. Now, because you heard that. I guess, yeah. No, I mean... <laughs> be on their side a little bit like some of the spots i was hitting were pretty small so it was like a good push as well yeah i was pissed because i was like fuck these fools like they're jealous that i'm like getting clips out here but like at the same time i'm like it kind of did make me start thinking i'm like damn like i gotta start hitting some bigger shit yeah for them to talk shit they're obviously impressed by like the technical and the Mm -hmm. tricks that you were doing and like at that point that, 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 that crew of dudes was like pretty clicky and like you hear like chitter chatter Mm-hmm. around like they're talking shit on like mad people so it was just like yo fuck these people. we we love <laughs> on the bomb hole talking about spite boarding yeah. i mean um oh, and, a huge spite boarder yeah and that's that's let's talk about that because we we were yesterday or a couple days ago when we were talking about uh up, up at that airbnb let's i'll bring it bring it back to michael jordan right if you haven't seen the last dance it's incredible but this it's all about michael jordan's kind of path to success and all his wins and he was he's a spite basketball player like he's and and essentially like if if Michael Jordan had done a ton ton of therapy I don't think we would have the Michael Jordan we have today like he's <laughs> fueled by spite and anger and it seems like you know you had some spite for sure, for tricks sure. as well right and the, what else we were talking about up at the Airbnb was just we we're talking about ego and just how to find a balance because a lot of times Fortunately or unfortunately, you use your ego in these ways to motivate you, spiteboarding. Yep. Um, sorry, what did you ask? I just was saying, like, you know, I didn't. I guess I didn't really frame up a good question, but would you say that you've used spiteboarding in the in the past? And what, like, what unhealthy motivation have you found to kind of like every just- unhealthy motivation? <laughs> Jealousy, spiteboarding, fucking everything, and like anyone who's probably film like a really good part it's like i don't know i've definitely gone through my phases of being like extremely jealous of other snowboarders and using that as fuel and just being like fuck like they got a clip on that like being jealous and being like oh like i'm gonna fucking like do something sicker (laughs) which is like kind of like fucking whack but it also helped at the time i feel like i'm a bit i've moved past that and kind of found a healthier way to get that motivation. But I think, yeah, going back to the story of hearing about them talking shit, there's definitely some spite boarding going on. But we need that. Like I was yeah, thinking it pushes about, you guys. it's like, I, I don't want, I don't want, uh, 
Michael Jordan to work on his ego because I want him to fucking dominate. Like it, and it's, it's hard to find that balance. And, and that's just a byproduct. Like some mm. of that stuff, be it unhealthy, but you know what? At the end of the day, like I think everybody suffers from comparison and of course, and it keeps, you know, you, you start comparing yourself and you like, Oh, I want to do a better trick than that. There's person. just a, there's just a, I mean, it's a long, it's a, it's a hard thing to learn. It's a, being able to do that, but also having self-compassion and self-confidence in yourself and knowing that what you're producing is still good, not just getting too focused on what other people are doing. And I think that's where you can kind of get lost. And that's pretty like shitty. Well, that was one thing filming with you specifically. I, I remember being so much worse than you as far as like, all right, we get, you show up at this down bar. Jed just got five tricks. Of, one of them I've never even seen anybody do before. Like, he's doing NBDs, never been done. And he's just beating shit down. And I'm sitting there trying to keep my head above water. And so that was really healthy. I found it at a younger age where I was like, I'm just going to do – people fuck with me for these reasons. I'm just going to do what I can do that's good for me. But it seemed like you were on that, like, dude, I gotta, I'm going to be the best shit. I mean, yeah, I want it to be. For sure, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah fuck it. Like, I wanted to be the best. I mean, I, you're not going to be the best unless you focus and make a point to be the best. And and I still want to like, I don't want to be the best. I want to be. It's changed a little bit. I, I I'm not really sure how to articulate it, but um, I don't. I just want to push. My, I just always want to push myself. And I think that's really important for me, and for me to feel some like gratification it's like i need to be doing my best and i know if i'm not and so but that at that time it was like when you're younger and like you're coming up you have something to prove or i felt like i did and i think younger kids should still have that yeah 100 percent. like that's how you get good footy and like you should want to be the best you should want to like shit on me and lewif and kuzik and like these people that were, like, in your shoes, like, I think that's healthy. I Like, I don't know. Because, like, when I was younger, I was like, I want to be better than those dudes. But then as you get older, you realize, like, okay, maybe I did technically harder tricks, but it's like, I, like, Daryl or, like, any of those dudes' shit is still timeless, no matter if it was technically harder. Or, like, a Benny Switch 270 or something. You're like, yeah, maybe I did, someone did that and pretzeled out like someone did that it's like you kind of you i you build up some sort of level of taste as well mm-hmm. and you start to realize what holds merit and i don't know there's and a lot the there's way so much they to did learn those tricks you know that made them special there's so much to learn i don't know i i'm not talking shit on any of the younger kids because i think there's a lot of awesome snowboarders that are coming up and that are doing a great job yeah, um, didn't sound like you were yeah, yeah but one thing coming up i remember that, that i think you and i both went through this was the when you're snowboarding and you're you're coming up you think okay once i film that part once i do that trick like once i get the part and the contract then i'm happy mm-hmm. and um that is fucking broken thinking oh yeah and can you explain your experience with that i mean i never i don't know if i ever thought about it quite like that i just i don't know how to really explain it but I can definitely see that falling. You, like, I can see how you can fall into that rabbit hole of constantly chasing that feeling. But again, I don't, 
unless it's really affecting you in a negative way, like I don't think it's unhealthy. Like it wasn't that that part about it wasn't necessarily too unhealthy for me. I just always I don't ever want to film a worse video part than my last video part. I don't know if that even is on par with sense. what your question is even asking, no, but that I love that I love that you hold yourself to a high standard in that regard. Yeah. And I know it's going to there's obviously going to be a point where <laughs> Yeah, you can't compete with younger time at a certain point. But I think there is ways to, like, evolution. Like, you can, like, change the way you snowboard, the way you look at shit, and still keep it fresh. It doesn't necessarily... Things can become better in different ways. It doesn't need to be all technical. So, and I think that's a part of growing up and getting older, too. You notice those little things. Or I look back at old parts that I really liked as a kid, and I'm like, that's why I liked it, not because of this thing or... I don't know. There's that so many pieces sense. to the puzzle. Totally. Like when you're younger, you're coming up like young Jed is like, I'm going to do the hardest trick mm. technically possible on this down bar. And then yeah. as you get older, you refine your style a little bit and you're like, well, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it where it like really looks natural. And then maybe you refine your spot or you have a different direction or you, it's really endless how you can refine and, and refine and keep your snowboarding evolving yeah. in, in certain ways. But I just find that like, I, I don't know, you know, you and I, we both struggled with some like mental issues over the years and what for, be it for me more substance. And I know you opened up recently with some of the stuff on torment, which is awesome. Yeah. And do you think that like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like hyper focusing and channeling all that angst towards a video part. Is that like your process of how to release it or something? I don't know if I'm. No, know. I think that that definitely is something to focus that inner energy onto something external rather than just being stuck in your head. It's an, it's like what we go, what we can go back to is, it sounds mad corny to say, but it is an escape. It's like you become hyper-focused on this video part. So like for those three months or whatever, it's like, I'm not thinking of, I'm still struggling with whatever it is that I'm struggling with, but it's easier to hone in on the video part and become just focused on that and you're not focusing about all this other negative shit you're focusing on like oh i want to i still need to get that like front board mm-hmm. or whatever you know that being said though kind of worked both ways for me because sometimes unfortunately like like because i struggle with ocd and general anxiety and depression so sometimes unfortunately those symptoms would kind of make it so i wasn't able to to even focus on the snowboarding, like they were too intense. But what, if I was able to m- kind of get those at bay, then it was definitely easy, easier to like push that energy into a video part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you seek like professional help in any or anything for the depression and all yeah, that? Yeah, definitely. Like I've been in therapy for like ten plus years. Working on it. I mean, it's tough. It can de- debilitate you. And dude, for sure. And like, yeah. I mean, we can, yeah, I'm definitely down to, like, talk about this stuff because I think it's super important. It's important for people to hear, I think, that are also going through it and yeah, aren't seeking help, you know? And, like, I try to do it on my own for a while, like, the first three years or whatever. I think I kind of started first having those symptoms when I was, like, 19. So, shortly, I was into, like, I had already filmed a few video parts and stuff, but I went from being very not a care in the world to, like, these symptoms that I didn't even know existed and I didn't know what how to interpret them and I just felt like super fucked up basically and 
it was also hard to balance. It was just a really hard time to balance my snowboarding, like a career, but also like mental health and even figuring out what it is that is wrong with me. And yeah, I don't really know what you guys asked. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh, you're, that's perfect. Yeah. It, it's yeah. perfect because I, I just think, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but you bring it up and you're like, yeah. think to the outside, you see, okay, Jed Anderson, he's filmed the most incredible video parts. The guy fucking looks cool. He seems cool. Seems like everything's like, and and really, you that's like testament. You never know what's going on on the inside with anybody. Mm. You know they're how bad they're suffering, even though externally they might be, you know, looking have big old smile on their face or whatever's going on. For sure, that's all think- we get too. Like the public, like mm-hmm. I, I I haven't spent much time with you. You mm-hmm. know, like outside looking in, I see your video parts. You're killing it. Yeah, yeah. Wicked stylish. Thank you me. always look happy in your in your shot so it's like you don't even I would have never guessed you were struggling with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think it's something too when people are struggling with those things, it's sometimes a defense mechanism to hide try yeah, to hide, hide it, it more. Um which I definitely did and also just trying to convince myself like I'm fine, I'm fine like and I didn't want people to think that I was like bummed or whatever like going through shit and yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. Now it's like I'm extremely open about it, open about it because I think if I would have heard someone talking about it, I would have been like, yo, I feel like that. Like, yeah, you would identify yeah. it and been able to understand and yourself And probably, more. like, yeah, if there is people struggling out there, like, and you're scared to get help or, like, because it is extremely intimidating and, like, talking to a random person and sometimes you do talk to a therapist and you're like, this person, like, doesn't get it. And, like, unfortunately, that ha- that's that happens. Mm-hmm. And, like, but I think, like, health is everything. And if you're going to spend money on anything, spend it on your health, like, and especially your mental health, like you, without that, like you're fucked. Like, especially as you get older and yeah. start thinking and analyzing more and more. Mm-hmm. And we just live in a fucking crazy world right now. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people are like feeling all, I like, invest in yourself, like invest in your health, like that's like, and like if the same goes, if like you think your friend or something is struggling, like talk to them or like. I don't know. There's ways of going about it, you know, read the situation, read the room, but, and it's, it's hard to be open. Like if for me to even like talk about this openly now is like a huge step for me. But since I've done that, it's like, you realize like people care about you. People like want to help you and like other people that you wouldn't think are maybe going through similar shit. Yeah. Everyone's got their own stuff. For sure. I I noticed the very unhealthy coping mechanism that I see a lot of <laughs> snowboarders use or skateboarders or mm-hmm. people. It's, you know, the, the video part is a great example of that because you're like, okay, in the winter, I got a reason to wake up in the morning. I got yeah. a reason to get out of bed. I got a sense of purpose. I'm working on this thing. And it's like I get my little, I might not be using drugs, but every time I get a back lip pretzel, I fucking get a little hit, you yeah. know. <laughs> and I feel like us as snowboarders use that that action that kind of like hyper focus on a task or the the process of uh, i'm going to make this video part great or i'm going to win these contests and you're able you're able to use that as kind of like your your coping mechanism in some in some way where you don't have to necessarily like you don't have to take a look at all the shit you got going on and it's an and it's an escape when you take that away like you're why, why the fuck am I depressed? I got no reason to wake up in the morning. Did you ever experience shit like that? Yeah, of course. I mean, and that goes back to what we were talking about with the filming the video part and obsessing over that for that time. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is ways to make 
that a healthy routine, but when you're avoiding emotions by doing that, that's when it gets tricky. When you're just avoiding shit, you're being productive. So you're like, I'm being productive and like, I'm not drinking, I'm not doing drugs, but, and I'm being productive, but it's like, you're still avoiding the shit, like the issue. That's kind of just, it's just prolonging the, I don't know, the problem. And it builds up too, I, I imagine. For sure. But The more but, you avoid it and the more you don't talk about it. But then there's also the other thing thinking about just in my own head on this stuff is like there's a lot of positives too, right? So, what, yeah, of course. So, so if you look at like for, for – I'm going to speak on myself's behalf. The thing I experienced is like let's say film for Get Real. I would get a trick and be like, holy shit, I didn't know I could do that. Like that was that was kind of right at that top edge of my ability level. And then you're like that gives you some confidence to try another hard trick. And you realize you get you get comfortable being uncomfortable. You learn like that. that's one thing I've noticed with you is that like a lot of people want to backlip the triple kink, but when you're strapped in staring at the thing from the top, you're like, you might claim it from the couch, but then you, you get there and you're like, you have this un- unbelievable ability to be like, this, this is what I'm fucking doing. Mm. You know, where does that come from? How do you, how do you get yourself to try that shit? Dude? I think I'm just still really passionate about snowboarding and like how I, I, I still like, I haven't even been to a fucking premiere in so long, but I still have that premiere mentality. Like I'm like, if I'm at the premiere, like I just imagine that clip and I'm like, am I going to want this shit in my part? Or like when I look at this part, like I'm about to not snowboard, like say like right now it snows and there's like a clip I still really want to get. And I know I'm not going to be snowboarding for five months. It's like, I don't want to be in that five months and not snowing me. Like I should have done that. And like, it's, it's important to know your limit and your capabilities, which comes with trial and error, of course. But once you kind of figure that out and you film enough video parts, it's like, I feel like a lot of us are at a point now, even though shit's scary, it's like, I know that I'm probably capable of doing this and I'm going to, like, beat myself up later if I, if I don't get it. And, like, I just, I think about the finished product. Like, we're all working toward that finished piece. And I'm, I'm when I'm scared, I think about that a lot. I'm like, am I able, like, am I just scared or is this a, just a stupid spot? Because sometimes it is a stupid spot and I'm just like not thinking, right? But it's important to step back, be like, I know my capabilities, I know my level of snowboarding. Like, if I'm just scared right now, I just have to push through it. And like, I don't know. That's kind of how That's sick. You think about that in the moment at the spot. Dude, I think about that all the time. I'm like, because, dude, like Chris said, it's like, I don't want to necessarily do a lot of the shit. I've done, but I know I want the clip. <laughs> yeah. Like if I could just, if I could just transport and just be like, wake up and have the clip, have the that'd clip. be fucking great. <laughs> but I know I have to go through the shit and Do it makes work. it that much more rewarding. It's like, it is a high. You're like, I was fucking scared and I did it and I have a clip and that's going to be in my video part. And you're it's like, dude, that's why every fucking, anyone who's filmed more than one video part, it's that feeling. Mm-hmm. You're like, you will, and that that's just gonna be there. You're gonna have that video part now, and you're gonna be like, I remember I was scared of shit, and I like persevered and did it. And then that builds, and that grow. That's a snowball effect. And yeah. It, and yeah. if you get rolling on a good winter, and you get some crazy clips going, there's like you can do shit that you never thought you was even possible. Exactly. exactly. And um, dude, going we're gonna jump around chronologically because who gives a shit? Yeah. But like going back to this example, one session we had that I remember was like that in Japan filming for Crazy Loco. 
uh, we were hitting this gap to down rail, and I was warming up doing a switch 180 to 50. I wanted a cab 270 it, and you wanted a switchback 270 it. And I remember just, like, feeding off of your energy, and it was so sick because I remember one point you're like, all right, we're both doing it. Fuck it. Full commit blood pack. Just try. <laughs> Full commit blood pack. Those are shit. Like, like, like we both, like, shook on it, and we're like, I'm – putting this up or I'm going home in a body bag and it, it wasn't the craziest spot but it was just oh. sick to have that like you know mentality. That, that mentality yeah and that's the thing another thing I think about at the spot there is that you're building up where you're either going to try it or you're not and I fucking hate being in that moment <laughs> of debate and I try to get it over with as quick as I can and I'm like I'm either going to do it now Maybe in 10 minutes, but, like, you get to a point where you're just, like, you scare yourself too much. Mm -hmm. Maybe not on that, like, that spot, but, like, there is spots like that definitely where, and that's the thing. It's just, like, you have to, there's, you, you can be smart about snowboarding. Like, you have to be able to look at a spot and know if you're capable to do it. There's shit that I'm not. And then there's stuff that I am, but I'm scared. And it's, like, really important to figure out your level of riding because you can, you don't have to be the best. Like you can still film a sick ass part. That's not the scariest spots or the hardest tricks. But it's like, just don't be dumb about it. Like, don't throw yourself into some shit that you're like, I'm most likely gonna get bodied. But I got yeah. a quick Patreon question that you brought up, Crazy Loco. This is from Clarky. Um, how many times slash days did you get bodied on that massive yellow down flat down at the end of Crazy Loco? Much love from the Wildwood crew. Down flat down. Crazy Loco, I don't remember that one. Was it the one at the same spot, the Japan? The one you did switch back. That was white, the one you switched back to. I no, don't know. The, the one you did back 50 on? That's at that same spot. Yeah, though. but that was white. The, the guy got the cover on. Mm -hmm. Maybe, Maybe his color's off. Yeah, his color's off. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, the cover shot. I bunge, I one-man bungeed you into that shot. Yeah. If that's he what says he's massive about. yellow down, flat down, but who knows? Maybe his TV colors yeah, are off. Yeah, maybe he's got to reset that white balance. Maybe he's on that night. You put that night on and it night vision. He's got night mode. Night yeah, mode. he's got night mode. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it took, like, it didn't, if that's the one we're talking about, that one didn't take that long. It was definitely really scary. I think. Dude, that one was fucked. The <laughs> stairs were, like, pretty dry. You but, don't want to fall on some of those scary ones. It's like, yeah. just get them done, right? Yeah, that one didn't take too long. I didn't even, like, really come off the end that good, honestly, but it played. I think it had but, some compression at the bottom. Yeah. That's like, yeah, who bungee did you do that? I, I swear someone oh, someone board slid it too. Yeah, Eric Leon did. Eric, Leon. Eric did. Yep. So, you know, air horn for that board slide. Is that? Fuck. I wouldn't board slide that. You know what we got to talk about, Jed? Hmm. This is something that only you and I suffer from. Not, I mean, a lot of people suffer from this, but you and I can relate to this. So you snowboard goofy, skateboard regular. I do. I snowboard regular, skateboard goofy, fingerboard regular. I uh, skateboard goofy, oh, snowboard you, regular. No, no way. way. Surf goofy. What? Yeah. yeah. I surf goofy too. But going back to your tricks, I hear this all the time. Let's say you, you've done all this crazy shit regular, and then you do a switch trick, and people are like, well, it's not a switch. He skates goofy. What that's do you what, have to say about hear? that? I hear that all yeah. the time. I don't give a shit. <laughs> In my it head, it all feels the same. It's weird. Like, really? Well, like when I, it just feels normal to skate one way. And oh normal. no, no, that yeah. feels, that feels, but like, but switch still feels like switch. Yeah, yeah. But just I, I think there weird. is an advantage in some shit, like a switchback lip on a snowboard. I haven't done one in a while, actually. But like when I was doing them a lot, it was like, like I could do them on a skateboard, and it felt very similar. So I could see that translating. But it's like, I mean, I don't give a fuck what 
if people like yeah, it's try still, to like take away switch from either way. Yeah. yeah I you, don't even care if it's switch or not. Like I still can go in both ways doing shit. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> if you can do it regular and yeah. you do it switch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it just, doesn't bug me too much. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna i I'm gonna throw a shot at uh Harrison Gordon because I saw you drop in at Woodward the other day and you did something and it was switch. And he said, and that's this is where this conversation's actually okay. coming from. Really? Yeah. And he's Jeez, like, Harry. it actually doesn't count. He's not. It's not really switch because he skates goofy. Sounds like some jealousy talking to me. Yeah. Give a little. Yeah, because still you grew. You just learned how to ride. You just learned how to ride one way, and that was like your dominant way. Mm-hmm. So it's still you got to learn how to ride. Switch I think and I think, learn the yeah, trick. Yeah, I don't know how it happened for you, but for me, the summer before the winter that I started snowboarding, I had started skateboarding. Because my birthday's in August, and I got a skateboard for my birthday and then we went to the rental zone at the ski hill and they're like they i think they like still like stand there and, and they, they push, push you, you. <laughs> and i put my right foot out and they're like that's which footed you are yeah and yeah. i didn't make the connection that like oh, i already started skating like that way and i don't think anyone like, yeah like, we didn't really think about it so i just until like someone noticed it or maybe my brother noticed it yeah something. for real but, that's interesting yeah that's yeah. how i learned too they pushed you and oh that's which there's yeah, a, which yeah. way would you slide if you were going to run and slide on ice or whatever? Yeah. It's funny. They set you up, and that's what you just are. Just what you do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you look, there's a lot of notables. You got uh, Jesse Bertner, uh, Ika Backstrom, UC Oxenen. Really? I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know um, there was that many. Fuck. Ika, did I ever say that? Um, there's tons more. I'm sorry if I'm forgetting, but there's like, there's actually, it's pretty common um, in, in that way, but... For me, it was a black snow. I had a black snow that was just set up regular, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's this what is, you were. This is I'm regular. Yeah. But then it really it, just comes down to what setup you get with a board or who sets you up. And but there are certain tricks. Like, I swear, like, like you're going to, like, switch front boards, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm better at regular front boards. True. So then it's like, yeah, then, yeah. then they're like. I don't, I don't fucking know. But but I will say I'm better. I'm probably better at switch back clips. But when it's, like, a trick you can do both the same ways. This is the thing that's different, though, is if I'm going to bomb a fucking hill, and I'm going goof like switch. I'm it's fucking terrifying. Like if I'm I can't go yeah. fast, you know, going fast at a jump or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Super uncomfortable. Yeah, who knows? Um, so earlier we were talking about get real. Mm-hmm. Uh on that trip, or while we were filming for that movie, you at one point basically were like, Hey, I gotta dip. I gotta go to the Canadian Open. And what happened? So there's these passes called Canada West Pass. Basically, you have to... I don't know if you have to... I don't even know if it still exists, honestly, but at that time, you either had to do a certain... You had to do a certain number of contests and do well enough in them to get this pass, which is basically a pass that is good for all of Western Canada. And I think that I hadn't really like done enough or done well enough in enough contests because I had been traveling and filming, but I still wanted this pass. So I think my brother convinced me, he's like, you should come back and do the Canadian Open if you want this pass, because you save, like, mad money. It's like, you can go to Whistler, like, everywhere. Yeah, that's like, dope. And those, I mean, I don't even know what a Whistler Blackcomb ticket is these days. Probably like Yeah, just the ticket alone is probably bucks, but 280 or something, 300 Canadian. So, yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, I got to go back and do it. Um, and, yeah, I just went, he convinced me to go do the half-pipe contest, and I don't know how the stars align, but I ended up doing good in it. What did you just say? What I happened? Got, I got I got number one. You got you first won. place in a half pipe contest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coming from a real Woo! trip, he's like, I got to go do the Canadian Open. He goes and wins the fucking half pipe contest. Comes back to a real trip. Not, I don't. I'm not. 
But like the level of riding of like the Canadian Open versus like the U.S. Open is obviously different. So it's not like I won the U.S. Open or something. But it was still cool. It was still like. Was there any notable people that you beat down? Just some nerds. Just I some- don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You, they've been yeah. training for this half-life contest their whole guys, career. I remember, like, yeah, some of those. There's one homie that's pretty funny. We used to, yeah. I don't know, yeah, just some nerds. For um, you to show up, though, and just beat him, that's pretty But you, you, essentially, I remember your mom around Get Your Real Year was talking about you maybe still going to the Olympics or you or something. Is that ever a thing? I think after that, I was like, fuck, should I, like, <laughs> try to, like, go to the Olympics? Like, after you got first place? Yeah, because I was like, yeah, you could All get these on the dudes Canadian are like team. going to the Olympics, I think, or trying to go to the Olympics, and I beat them. So like, who's so, dude? Canada is stacked in the slope department. Okay, they got nobody in pipe. I think the next wave of latex's <laughs> dynasty would be to go to the Olympics. Dude, I haven't gone a full size half pipe in so long. Dude, the full size looks is a, fucking yeah. terrifying. Icy too. Yeah, an icy full size is just dude. That is that is so gnarly. Yeah. yeah, props to those guys. Also, going back to those times, they're a little fuzzy, but it's fun to think back. You <laughs> used to skate that park in Calgary. Mills. Mills. You were the, like a Mills child. Yeah. And they had like the big old concrete vert ramp and shit. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I don't know, it's just crazy watching you skate that place. You just fucked that place Mills is so up. sick. Still my favorite skate park. And it's just like, somehow, still lights 24 hours a day, 365, makes zero sense. Just right by the Greyhound station, so it's like there's cutty people coming in and out. Kind of, you can't really see it from any of like the major roads, so it's just kind of like this weird zone of like sketchy shit happening. But as like a teenager, and still now, it's like I love it. And it was so I met like some of my best, most of my best friends I met there, because at that point growing up, there's only one skate park, and that was it. And it's fucking huge, and so everyone from all the suburbs everywhere would come down. Like, I wouldn't even. I was lucky because I live pretty close to it, like a 15, 20-minute bike ride. But That whole yeah. big city only has that one skate park? Now they have more. Uh-huh. But, like, yeah, when I was growing up, like, that's all they had. Wow. But, like, it was amazing because, like, I met all my friends there. Like, if that wasn't the case, we probably wouldn't have even met each other. That's wild. Yeah. And you knew every nook and cranny of that place to the point where you could skate the concrete vert ramp, which was the scariest thing. I've yeah, ever I don't think I could skate life. it now, but I was, like, skating it every single day for, like, just go there after school until... 10 concrete ver ramp sounds dude and gnarly. it's like they use the wrong cement so like the first winter it got all bubbly oh really like, it's like sidewalk concrete basically uh it's pretty like shitty but it's like also the best yeah i feel like those spaces are so sacred the skate park i, I spent so much time as a kid there and it's like i don't know there there is there's sacred as a church to me dude it's fucking crazy like like i said i met all my friends there Pretty much, like, the dudes I talk to every day I met there. Still. That's so cool. Every day. And, there, yeah, there was just nothing like that. And funny enough, like, I moved to Toronto six or seven years ago, and when I moved, my brother opened an indoor skate park. I was like, what the fuck? Like, you wait till I leave to do this? He opened one back yeah. in Calgary. Like, kind of tying together with the Riders on Board thing. It's called ah. the Compound. But just another sick thing that, I don't know, my family's done. Not, cool. I'm not bigging up myself, I'm bigging up them. Yeah, yeah. But, like, just, like, I don't know. I think, like, him having kids and stuff now, like, when we were growing up, there was an indoor park. There was Park 403, it was called, and then another indoor park called Source Park, that um, story that I was talking about that I rode for. But for the past, like, 15 years or something, no indoors. 
So yeah, I think he just really kind of saw the that. opportunity of like, I think, yeah, like I said, him having kids, he's like, well, shit, like they don't have a spot to go to. Good for the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what's also so cool about, the, you know, the things like your, your family's doing. And I was talking to Beth about this, your mom. Uh, and it's like, you take somebody like, let's take like Lucas Magoon or yourself or like you, you're these people like, or myself, you, you're, you're not going to be success that you're probably going to be bad in school. Your teachers are going to tell you that you're fucking horrible in school. Your coach is going to be like, dude, you're fucking around too much. Like, you're not helping us win this team. You're too much ADD. But then you got skateboarding and snowboarding. That's like, come on over. Come fuck. Oh, you're a shithead? And you want to, like, come hang out at the skate park and just take all that angst and put it towards skateboarding. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're a product of that in some senses. Yeah, I think in some senses for sure. I'm lucky enough to have had a family that was down for me to like or and to support me to go do that or saw that that was an option because I think yeah when you are a kid like that you need that freedom and that environment to flourish and to figure your shit out because maybe like a traditional learning situation or a traditional sport might not work for you yeah it's too institutionalized for some people mm-hmm yeah, if you're like me, when when somebody says, "Hey, you need to go do this," the little punk kid inside me says, "Oh, you want me to do that?" I'm do the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually going to do the opposite. Yeah, still like that. Yeah, <laughs> which is perfect for skating. Mm-hmm. Or then it also works in the same way where somebody like Jed when you say, "I don't think you can do that." Yeah, that's that's when he's going to do it. Try to do it. Yeah. Do so you know what it might be time for? Because getting past. A little part that we like to call Name That Video Part. All right, Latex Mansion. Uh, how are we feeling today? Generally? Like confident? <laughs> no, not generally. Well, actually, first, generally. generally. How are you feeling? Feeling great. Okay, second, confidence level as far as getting the correct answer to this Name That Video Part song. Five. Five? I know I'm really good if I hear a song, I'm like, yeah, it's been used. But I can't, I'm not maybe the best at knowing what it was used in. Well, this one's a meatball. If you don't get it, your your credibility and your core score may plummet. That's all right. Okay, here we go. Blue. I even knew that one, dude. We might have actually done that one before. I'm running out of ideas. Right. That is correct. That's the Lewis <laughs> parody. What you got in there is a uh, bomb hole cooler full Fuck of some yeah. bomb. We got a bomb hole coffee mug. Ah. Uh, Thanks, sure. guys. We got a Stony Buds air freshener in there. Hot throw item. That, throw that. And, uh, this thing yeah. is so sick, actually. Yeah. OG. Just Very good. Thank you. Cooler, no problem. Uh, th- I'm going to do a little side note. That Hurdy Gurdy Man was used by another crew as well. Kind of an unspeakable reuse. Just going to throw that out there. I forget who it was, but... I remember listening to it. Like, Can I talk some shit right now on yeah. Unspeakable Reuse? Yes. Jake Johnson, Minefield, Burton used it this year. Oh, yeah. Unforgivable. Yeah, that's what off the limits. fuck? That's Who what we, used it before? Jake Johnson in Alien Workshop, Minefield. Oh, and they threw it out because they're like, it's skating, it's cool. We, can, we can reuse know. it. That was a twisted move. Though. Or maybe they didn't even know. It's actually what we referred to as a no-fly zone. <laughs> yeah. Absolute no-fly zone. Okay, um, part two of Name That Video Part. For the listeners, here we go. I don't know that one. Uh, Okay, 
you know the answer, comment on Jed's photo on Instagram when his episode comes out. What do they win? Sticker pack. Sick. Oh, yeah. They may or may not receive a sticker pack. (laughs) Thank you guys for playing. (laughs) (laughs) Truth. Sorry. I threw you guys on your bus, huh? No, it's, it's true. They know it. Yeah, we uh we keep a loose operation around credibility. Here. If yes. they send enough DMs, they're definitely getting the sticker pack. It's as Buds puts it, it's kind of a squeaky, squeaky, yeah, squeaky wheel, gets wheel the grease like situation. If they're like, never got my sticker pack from episode thirty four, I'll like put it in there real quick in the mail. Yeah, fuck it. So yeah, anyone uh, who wants to fire a DM who didn't get one, send it in. I think while we're on the subject of video parts, uh, well, we're off of it now, but we're gonna go back to it. Let's get back to it. <laughs> um, so I get a guest question from uh, Tanner Pendleton. Now the guest question is presented by Solomon Snowboards. I ride the six piece. It's a uh, it's a hot item. Uh, great for riding park, and if you're looking for a premium board, pick up a six piece. Now we got a guest question from none other than T Pendle Snake Tanner Pendleton. Here we go. Yo, what's up, Jed and Chris and Stony Buds? So, Jed, I'm wondering, you told me once that you would treat finding music like a job. Like you used to roll into a cafe and listen to music for hours until you'd find something good. So I guess I'm curious if you're still sort of on this same grind uh, when it comes to finding inspiration. Um, And I guess in general, you know, whether it's music or art, uh, skateboarding or snowboarding, uh, I'm curious to know where you're looking or where you might start if you're looking to get inspired. Okay. Thanks for the question, Tanner. I miss you a lot. Uh, fucking hope we can kick it soon. Um, kind of two parts to that question. But with the music thing, for sure, especially if I'm trying to find a song to use, like, oh, even even if not, like, at least once a week I'll spend a few hours trying to find new music. And then, but if I know that if there's a project coming up that I need to find music for, then I'll definitely just like hammer down and get in a YouTube wormhole, Spotify wormhole. Um, yeah, whatever. And then as far as like inspiration otherwise for, I don't know. I don't really feel that I um, purposely, purposefully seek that out, but I actually find a lot of like shit on instagram (laughs) just like i don't know i feel like i follow some cool people and generally just get inspired by people i know so i'm lucky enough to have uh a lot of interesting and awesome people in my life so just through instagram seeing what they're up to is like motivating and i don't know it's pretty much it for that where'd the inspiration for latex mansion come from just throwing two words together that sounds sweet it's my homie colton we give him a hair air horn uh, he's just like twisted genius. I don't know. He, he was probably he was just like has, says all this crazy shit all the time. I think he just said it, and I thought it was really funny. I think it's dope. <laughs> so, I don't <laughs> even know what it means or like where it even came from. He it just, just sounds cool. He just said it, and I was like, oh, that shit's <laughs> really funny at the time, at least. And then I, that was like when Instagram just started. I was like, oh, I'll make it this, and, then, and it stuck. Yeah. Now, now we refer to Jed. Not as Jed as Latex or Latex Manch or Manch Manch. Or I've heard Tex as well. Tex. It's not bad. Yeah. yeah. But something that maybe some of the listeners or viewers may not know is like how coveted, coveted, coveted the video part song is. Like, a, like the music is so important. So, you know, let's take Tanner Pendleton, who he makes the Vans videos. You know, 
I remember talking to him about songs and they have these like secret song vaults with like editing folders and it's like fucking locked. You're not, he's not showing you that shit. He, and there's like, it's kind of a cool deal. Like finding these songs for these parts and they, they really make or break the movie. Why do you like robot food? Snowboard movies? Great. But, but the tricks are great, but the soundtrack's incredible. Same with Dude, soundtrack. Fing, finger on the trigger. The like foundation of my music taste has come from skateboarding and snowboarding videos. And like, yeah, so it's, just, it's so important. I have full, I have a folder on my Spotify that just says part. And I don't, I don't, I purposely don't listen to those songs mm-hmm. either because I don't want to get burned on get them. Get sick of one. I have songs that I haven't from like four years ago that I, I'm like one day I'll use them. <laughs> and I try not to fucking listen to them because I'm like, this is a heater. Like I want to, but it's like, I remember in like the kids know shit, like Mikey boarded to bad brands or something. And I looked them up or like bad brands is dope. Like watching a four in one and there's like a minor threat song or something. It's like all introductory level to like. Maybe the music I'm into now, but it's like, I don't know. I just like Bittner like uses like a Jayquan song and then uh, Benny using that Mob Deep song. It's yeah. just like, dude, I remember all this shit like so well. So like, I think that also knowing that like that's kind of shaped my music taste, I want to like make sure that I'm doing the same. For other people, that exactly. makes a lot of sense. He's yeah. always up yeah. on the shit. He's always up on like... If I think I'm up on something, he's de- he's been up on it for like <laughs> he's been up on it for two a year. three years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And music just controls like the feeling of a part in a video. I mean, all that we just said, yeah, like finger on the trigger, like uh, kids know um, robot food, like all completely different vibes, but all great music and like they definitely, I don't know. Yeah, it's super huge. It just strong. Sets the, yeah, super it sets strong. the mood of the movie and. Bad song will make good snowboarding look bad sometimes. I mean, Straight editing up. is obviously so important yeah. too, but I mean, yeah. Going back to when we were filming together, I remember you would be in the van, like occasionally just to go headphones in, just zoning out. <laughs> right, yeah. right? Like probably thinking about your part. I don't know. It's like sometimes, yeah, but I think on trips too, it's like you don't get any time to just do that. I agree with that. Sometimes it's nice just to throw the headphones I was on. thinking about it last night. I actually I hit the headphones this morning because I'm like I haven't just like listened to music or a podcast for like the last two weeks and I'm someone who needs alone time and I haven't got any of that and I just start maybe getting like irritable or I don't know it's like important to sometimes just like take that time for yourself when I do that people give me shit if I'm on a trip and they catch me with headphones in the van or something they give yeah. me shit and it's like sometimes you need that Buds yeah. is up in, up on the music he's always he's always got the shit out I of I like him, to but. have headphones in just listening. Yeah. No, it's like super relaxing too, and like, I think it's I don't know healthy to just shut down for a bit and like shut your mouth. And Especially you're on a, a street it. trip and you're in the van for twenty hours scoping. Yeah, it's gnarly. In an Airbnb, or maybe Airbnb ba- and, the and size you, of this garage. Yeah, and then you battle a trick, and then you go back to like a tiny ass Airbnb. Yeah, and there's some just like no foreign room. place, and you're just eating like shit. Like, it's all you like, got, maybe. Like kick it. <laughs> but then sometimes you got to get that aux cord and just go crazy. True. There's those moments, yeah. too. Throw on some Waka Flocker, OG Mako, and just want to <laughs> run through a fucking wall before you hit the down bar. Get you people know? hyped. Dude, there's that one video of, like, Bob Blum. I remember, like, you're playing, like, Waka Flocka so loud. It's like, bow, 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 like, on the way to a spot. I think, I think me and Chris got along instantly because we were both, like, Jeez, huge young Jeezy fans. Ah. Mm-hmm. Let's give I, an that was, like, the first CD I bought. That's right. Yeah. 
Is that what he says? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeez, he's dope. Well, maybe let's hit some hot takes, huh? What do you guys think? Yeah, we haven't done hot takes. Okay. First question. Always ask it. Michael Jordan of snowboarding. Who you got? I knew this shit was going to come up. I I can't... I don't don't know if I can answer this, because... It's like an impossible question to answer, but I can give my who like I looked at as my Michael Jordan growing up would have been like, or actually, if I were to say it, I, I'm just gonna say like Whitlake for that's a sneak attack. Fucking great answer <laughs> for for me. It's a great Whitlake answer. listens to the show too. He's gonna be oh stoked. no way. Yeah, Whitlake doesn't get the shine he deserves. Fuck no, he doesn't. I mean, I think like. Maybe people that are a bit older than myself are like, but like I think like a lot of people don't know like how fucking sick Whitlake is he's or dope. was or like I'm sure he still is. Go on YouTube, type in Scotty Whitlake, dude. He just like happy hour. Something I also want to touch on like, just like being authentic carries so much weight, and it's like I think a lot of snowboarders before us had that authenticity, and it kind of got watered down a little bit with a lot of people but you look at like like think about like Whitlake, Mikey, Mark Frank. It's like and they're just themselves and like and it shows people. and like th- th- yeah, I don't know. Shit just so sick. I don't know. That Whitlake was really sick. Real we'll one. get him in this booth one of these days. That would be an awesome episode. Yeah. It, dude, he's such an interesting dude and like you learn about I'm just, yeah, I have so much respect for people. They're snowboarding, but also, like, how they are as a person outside of snowboarding and, like, what they're into or, like, what kind of shit they get up to. And, like, they're just interesting people apart from their snowboarding. And yeah, there's a lot of interesting from what, I don't know a lot about Whitlake, and that's fucking sick, too. He, I remember he rode his bike across country. Yeah. Like, he's got all kinds of fixed you, gear too right yeah he was into yeah he was into all kinds of crazy stuff over the years and you're just like and he looks interesting really interesting he doesn't give a fuck well, that's the thing it comes back to being authentic like it is not scared to be himself really and that's like it just yeah I don't know I think we lost some of that for a while yeah people get too cookie cutter or something trying to be a certain way because they think they have to be okay well maybe this ties in uh, another hot take worst trend in snowboarding I guess that, like, just trying, and, like, I'm definitely guilty of it, but just trying, you have to imitate, you have to, and every, no one is 100% original, like, we all are imitating something and taking pieces, but it's, like, I think sometimes within snowboarding, it's, like, people are just taking the the obvious route, and, like, not working hard enough to try to, like, take inspiration from other areas, or... Is it like music's like a good example? It's like someone will use like a song or a genre, and then like the next year everyone uses it, or like someone does a trick a certain way, and then everyone's doing it that way. It's like yo, figure like your your own lane. So, in the words of uh, Ace Ventura, <laughs> uh, I was unaware the Wachutu are biters. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's biters. It's actually after the little guy bites him, and of course, like I'm a biter. Like everyone's. Everyone's a biter. Yeah, it's like there's, there's a tasteful way of doing it. Yeah. And sometimes, like, people just get away with some, like, ruthless shit that you're just like, come on. Yeah, everybody, if you're if you're tight and you see through the shit, you're like, yeah, dope. We, we know where you're going with this direction. Yeah, like, come on. Okay, another hot take. Tuke. What about it? 
Well, Americans probably don't know what that is. Oh, so yeah. Is it, what, do you think, what do you think about know. the word toque and what is it? It's a beanie, but a toque. Yeah. What do you Canadians call resi tip toques? Is there a name for that? I don't. I think just resi tip. I wouldn't even say toque. I would just say the resi. Okay. I thought for some reason toques just had resi tips. Oh, the toque had to have a resi. Yeah, that's what I thought. But I, like, cause okay. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe there is like. I just like yeah toque. toque. Okay. What about the word uh, washroom? What about, what is about that it? a Canadian thing too? Yeah, they say washroom instead of bathroom. Well, that's why. Too, well, right? that's why when you're international, when you look for a bathroom, it says WC. Oh, well, it's like a water closet. closet. Yeah, water closet. Water yeah. closet. Didn't know that. Yeah, so that's probably what Canadians or the U.S. We just throw our own Fuck, bathroom. Well, we're ignorant. We make everybody yeah. learn our shit. Okay, um, another Canadian term: Timmy's. What about it? Timmy's? Tim Hortons. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. Buds hates it. Not down for just. The name or the place? The place. You're a Dunkin' guy? No, I just like, if I want to, I guess if we, if, <laughs> when, I'm on, when I'm on a trip. You're a Sevy guy. I am a Sevy guy. Which but no, if I no want a coffee. If I want a coffee, I don't go to Sevy. I don't go to Timmy's or I mean, Dunkin'. yeah, it's not like, I'm not like. I go getting, and get a good coffee. No, yeah, know? same. But it's like, on a trip, it's just like, fuck it. Like, we're going to Tim's. Like, But if we, their sandwiches taste like cardboard. Their donut holes are pretty sweet. Yeah, the funny shit is when I'm in Canada, I'm like I'm getting my Timmy's in. It's like like six times a day. It's though. almost like you go into like it's like seeing a a tourist attraction for me. So I get the coffee, I get the Tim bits. I'm smashing Timmy hose, and Buds is so fucking bummed the whole time too. <laughs> Anywhere but Timmy's, just like to go there every morning. Yeah, maybe that's a little middle of the day the and afternoon. It's just. But fuck, Chris is trying me. to get it in. I got another hot take for you. Uh, earlier on this podcast, Andy Wright said you were, quote-unquote, the laziest person he's worked with. What do you got on that? <laughs> he did say that. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe at that time, like, I was. I don't know. But, like, throw me under the bus, like, 12 years after that is, like, kind of fucked up. I mean, obviously, I don't think <laughs> that that's is the, fucked up. Like, I haven't been on a trip with him for mad long, but. Shit, maybe I was just mad lazy then. But, like, I also remember him, like, he just wouldn't shoot shit sometimes. and Or, like, he would take one picture and sit in the car for hours. It's, like, pretty weak. But whatever, fuck, I don't know. Maybe he's not like that anymore either. He's probably more like that now. As maybe. The, as the years go on. Well, what do you got What do you got on the uh, beaver slap? In the lift line yeah. thing? Yeah. I'm down. You hit him? You've done it? I'll hit it. Okay, respect. Okay, what do you got for wackest brand? Oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! That's a heavy question. Oh shit! <laughs> He's all good. He gets all focused. <laughs> oh shit! There's some whack brands out there. No, I'm just trying to think. If, I'm trying to think if someone's like done something really like whack recently. Uh, shit! I don't know, like Candy Grind or something. That's pretty. That's pretty fair. Acceptable answer. Yeah. yeah. Good answer. Uh, last question: Best style on a snowboard? No, there's so much. There's so many. I can't name one, but I like. Like I'll just say, recently Dan has awesome style. Danimals. I like watching him snowboard. It's actually the correct answer. <laughs> but then I also really like. Like I love like Jake Oe, and like it's like completely different. But and then Jake Oe is authentic. Let's talk Icon Pass. Now on sale, claim the best deals of the season before promos go away and prices go up on May 5th. Own the season, own the stories, own the stoke. For winter 21-22, unlock access to more than 40 Icon Pass destinations where you can explore wide open spaces, 
I personally like to explore Brighton Resort. I like to check out Snowbird. With exclusive spring savings and purchase options, including special pricing for 2021 passholder renewals and a payment plan from $0 down and 0% APR, your season of Stoke is closer than ever. Explore pass options and take advantage of limited springtime offers before promos go away and prices go back up on May 5th. Let's talk about their options, buds. The Icon Pass for $999, unlocking the most days, the most mountains, and no blackout dates. The Icon Base Pass for $729 opens up a season of adventure with limited blackout dates. And the Icon Session Pass 4-Day for only $399 allows you to kickstart your ride. As with last year, every Icon Pass comes with adventure assurance, including credits in the case of a COVID-19 closure, and the option to defer the value of an unused past, no questions asked. Every moment spent in the mountains is a new opportunity for discovery and connection. Connection to the mountains and connection to each other. Own the Stoke today for the best prices of the season at IconPass.com. Let's uh, let's pivot. I haven't been saying pivot. My shit's in airplane mode. I don't know why it's buzzing. But uh, airplane connected to Wi-Fi. That's what it is. So let's pivot. So you grew up in Calgary, and eventually, I don't know how many years ago, but you moved to Toronto. Now, why did you pick Toronto to move to? I had been living in Calgary my whole life, and the next closest major city to Calgary is Vancouver, which I would go to all the time growing up, been there hundreds of times. Two of my best friends, my friend Michael and my friend Dan, moved to Toronto. Um, yeah, give them an air horn for sure. Uh, and I was just like, oh, I don't want to live in Calgary anymore. It was kind of, I felt like I needed a change, and I just wanted to go somewhere that I didn't know anything about it. So I, that's why I went to Toronto. Kind of like a not the best city, I guess, to go to if you're a professional snowboarder, obviously. But um, that's, like, I chose just to go there just to be in a new city that I knew nothing about. You ever bump into Drake out there? <laughs> no. no. Actually, I have seen him once. I have yeah. seen him once, yeah. Nice. In you the rock, streets? Rock with Ovio? Or? Do I rock with Ovio? Yeah. In what sense? Like, like do, you, do you rep the owl, or? I don't necessarily rep the owl, but, uh, yeah, sure, I rock with Ovio. Okay. <laughs> what, what about Beebs? You ever seen Beebs out there? Never seen Beebs. Damn. That'd be pretty fresh. Dude, I've seen Beebs here. You saw Beebs in oh, Salt yeah. Lake City? Oh, yeah. Driving up the canyon, he was doing a shoot on the side of the road, uh, like, and I saw it on his gram later. We pulled over. and Really? Up up to Brighton? Yeah, up to Brighton. Right where? The over sick overview spot, I can almost the imagine overview. It. It's not the S turn, but below or yeah, below yeah. Above, that, right above it, kind of chokes thing. out. It chokes out like where you drive through that narrow yep. section. Yeah, that's oh. the spot. So when we were at the Airbnb, you were mentioning that you kind of said like you don't necessarily relate to snowboarders. Like you like snowboarding, but you don't necessarily like your your circle of friends isn't all just like boarders, right? Yeah, not necessarily, but I think I think more so now I do relate to like. The, I feel like snowboarding kind of had a transitional period as well where it's becoming more interesting again and there's people from different walks of life and it's becoming more inclusive. Where, like, for a while there, I was skating and snowboarding a lot at the same time and I was just, yeah, I didn't really, I guess, vibe with a lot of snowboarders that I was meeting and I was getting along more so with the people I was meeting skateboarding and it just found them to be maybe more interesting or I could relate to them more at that time of my life. But now, like, yeah, some of my closest friends are snowboarders like Kuzik and, like, 
I meet, I've met so many amazing people snowboarding as well. So I can't really say that I don't relate to them. I just think that, I think I do now. I think there's, it's just changed a little bit. I think obviously, um, things like this podcast help that a lot. And I don't know. Snowboarding's just changing. It's becoming more inclusive. And the torment stuff's helping that a lot when you see, you know, and bringing in different races and it's all good that like making it very clear. It's all good that like, yo, you're gay. Cool. Come Hank, come kick it. Like, come on in where it maybe wasn't like that for a while. Just definitely cookie cutter. Yeah. It's just definitely a cookie cutter. And it's like, it is unfortunately a sport that costs a lot of money to do. So to even start snowboarding, it is, um, it's a difficult feat to even (coughs) be able to get, gather the gear and go to a mountain. So that kind of excludes, the majority of people really whereas something with like skateboarding you just need that one skateboarder that can last you quite a while and you can just go outside and do it it's not as wild but i would i don't know we were talking about this as well but something that i'd really like to figure out is i know there's stuff like the burton chill program and uh ojo foundation and there's more things popping up but i would love to figure out a way to just continue to start giving people the opportunity to get into snowboarding because I don't know. I just think it would be, make it far more interesting. And yeah, I I just, I guess for a while there, I just wasn't like as proud to be a snowboarder. It just felt, I wasn't really like vibing with the people that are running companies. And like, I'd hear people say fucked up things and I would just hang out. I mean, I was obviously close with you, and, like, I had my group of friends at Snowboard, but as a whole, I was, when I'd go to a trade show or something, I'd be like, I don't really, like, fuck with this. Trade shows can be a little overwhelming. Yeah, and so it was just kind of unmotivating at times. And there's some people that just live for the trade show, too, and that demotivates you a bit to be there. You're just like, yeah. Just cross-eyed, like, throwing up the horns. <laughs> yeah. just, like, hot beer breath in your mouth, like, And they have to touch you your, and shake your hand, yeah. and it's just like, ah. Yeah. I am not rocking with that scene. It gets intense. Well, I hope you figure out one of the a way to do that because yeah. we those lo- foundations those, that those do are that are dope. And also, sidebar, as you're talking, Sorry like to make all this noise right now. No, all good. Your your the shit your mom's got going on with, and your brother with riders on board. It's like that's a that's another you know it's different, but it's a cool thing. No, for sure. And I think that I think there is a way. And I think we're going to hopefully see that in the future of companies coming together and trying to figure out a way to help underprivileged people have access to it. Because there's no reason that we can't, like, I know it obviously costs a lot of money to run resorts. It, gear costs a lot of money, but it's like, if we, <clears throat> that sounds so corny, but like, if people who are in places of power, like, come together, like, like we, I was saying this earlier, the other day too, it's like, definitely the person, like, we haven't seen the best snowboarder because they probably don't have access to be able to do it. And it's like, that's a lot of like wasted talent and a lot of even that aside, it's like just an awesome, it's a fun fucking thing. You're in the mountains. You're like with your friends, you're riding down the mountain on a piece of wood. Like, like you can have, it's so powerful and it's just like a fun fucking thing to do that a lot of people don't even get the opportunity to do ever in their life. And that one time getting a kid up yeah. there could be what makes him go back and be like, man, I need to raise money and figure this out. And, and that's like such smoke. a little part of it too, is like the actual act. And then you start getting into like, Oh, there's like video parts. There's like yeah, all the this culture. music. And it's like, 
Yeah, get him hooked in. You know, it was really cool. Randomly, uh, Patrick Chung's a, a, a football player for the New England Patriots, and um, randomly found out he's super into snowboarding. That's know? cool. And you, I think, you know, it's it's a weird one for me. Me and Buds will talk about it. we're two white dudes, you know. But like, I think naturally, you know, you need somebody. You stick to what is comfortable, like in your culture or around you, or your what your family, your parents, or your friends do. And so, like, it's sick when you have. You know, you're getting black people like Zeb or whoever's involved. Then, yeah. then you know, maybe some people in that community are like, "Oh, he looks like me. I can do this. I didn't even know I could do this." You know, like you're saying, you need to get other people from different cultures in, and to be like, to just sort of people's light bulbs to go off. Be like, "Oh, shit! All right, I'm down. Let's do this." You and know? like, I don't want to be a part of like some country club shit. Yeah, like, true. I don't. I'm not attracted to that. Like, I don't want to be a part of like some exclusive fucking thing that is, like, stagnant and boring and, like, no flavor. Like, fuck that. Like, I want everyone to have a chance to do it. And, like, it's hard. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's, like, it's really hard to figure out how we figure out how to do that because it isn't such an expensive thing. But I I think there there has to be a way that we can figure it out. Yeah, companies maybe. I know even 686 does a program where they bring kids up from L.A., downtown L.A., up to Big Bear once a year. It's so sick. And if more brands started do, just doing that, that's I think that's all it takes, you know? Those inner city kids that never have seen snow all of a sudden are up there fully outfitted with everything they need. So fresh. Yeah. And if you're from a city like Calgary or you grew up on the East Coast or anywhere with small hills, I feel like the, the backyard aspect is how I got into it. It's like you, you start where you don't – I didn't go to the resort. I would start sledding. And then you're like, oh, shit, I'm going to cop a black snow plastic. You hit the golf course. And then hit the golf course jump. And then, like, you know, I was, like, learning 360s at the golf course before I even learned how to go down the hill. Yeah, same here. And so that's kind of like, I don't know, maybe maybe the resort's just off the top of my head. Maybe, like, cities need municipal hills that are, like, lean towards sure. that, like you that's know, where it's free. That would be cool. Dude, uh, Calgary needs something like that, and that's something that I've talked about with my brother and, like, and, like, something I would like to try to figure out. Like you look at Minneapolis or the twin cities and there's so many of those little Hills that can't be that expensive to run. Yeah. And look at the fucking product that comes out of there. Yes. So many good kids. Is COP expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's just like, I mean, I'm super grateful for COP because it was there. And it's close. At the same time, it's like, wasn't the people who ran it and stuff weren't like sick and Mm. wasn't that, they, there's definitely room for somewhere. Something cooler. Something better. So let's jump back into uh, board career stuff because along the lines of filming all those video grass parts, eventually Nike comes along. Mm. And Nike's like, we're going to fucking put our stake in snowboarding. We're going to get all the best dudes. We're going to pay them a shitload of money, and we're going to sign Latex Manch. <laughs> what was the vibe when that uh, Connie got signed? The vibe, like, my personal vibe? Yeah, just like, that must have been huge, getting signed by Nike, right? Yeah, it was really fucking cool. Like, nothing bad to say about that whole situation. It was awesome. I kind of want to talk more about, like, Bisque, and, like, those guys were, like, flying first class. Is that true? I never flew first class. Oh, I think shit. that was, like, before my time. Yeah. But. You didn't what? go on that Russia trip with everybody? No. Okay, because I think they flew first class to Russia. And Dude, we need to get back to that. Back to those <laughs> We need to get back to the, get back first to the class. Bisque. Yeah, back to the biscuit. I'm back in a First thirty. Class is pretty expensive. I'm more like thirty nine B. Like, oh yeah, yeah. forty eight fucking middle. Whatever 50, the middle is, fifty seven D. Middle stuck between like 
the worst people. It's both sleeping. <laughs> At least with COVID, yeah. you can't have people sitting next yeah, to you. Nice. That's a good thing for flying. We, are we allowed to talk about um, Nike Bisque by chance? Dude, I don't even know. You don't know how much Bisque? I know. Do you? How Definitely. do you know and he doesn't know? I asked Hava because Hava worked at Nike. How do you he, not he said, know? He said somewhere right around six figures. Is six figures like 100 Gs? Yes. I think it was less than that, but like it was up there. Maybe with yeah. the incentives? Maybe with, probably with incentives. How yeah. do you not know? Bro, I was like, I was still fucking mad young when I was even on Nike. Mm-hmm. And like I never like, I've never really fucking spent any of my money. Oh, really? Like, I don't really, I mean, like, I spend money to, like, live. Yeah. But I definitely haven't been, like, lavish. Me and my brother bought a so house. So you have, like, a vault, like, Scrooge McDuck Does that you, you just McDuck swim vault? around in? No, you no McDuck, McDuck vault. <laughs> but, like, I just, like. Because I, I I'd like to go swimming in there if you have that. No, All like, the pennies <laughs> spitting them out of his mouth? Like, the biggest purchase is, like, my brother and I bought a house in Calgary during that time. Since then, like, I mean, you spend money fucking paying rent. and Yeah. Eating and shit, but like, it adds up. And like, I try to invest my money. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not. I think I would love to buy another. I'd love to own a property again, but um, oh, you don't have one anymore. I mean, me and my brother have one. You rent I, out. He 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 lives there. Oh, sick. But yeah, I haven't. I haven't really like bought like whips or like fucking. He just squirrels it away. I haven't just really says, bought anything that cool. I actually just bought a car, but I bought a '97 Forerunner. Pretty sick. Damn, baller. Dude. Yeah. That's dope. But that's, that's like cool. not that much money. So <laughs> Yeah, that can't be too much. 97. Yeah. I think about a lot of this stuff, too, when you get a fat contract and you're on Nike, and there's usually a big expectation with that. Did you feel like, all right, I'm on Nike, I got I got big shoes to fill, or are you just like, I'm doing me? I didn't even look at Nike in that way. Like, I look back now, and I'm like, fuck. Like, I didn't even, I should have taken, I should have got, like, some fresh gear and, like, kicks. Like, I was, like, skating... I, like, asked for, like, Janowskis. And now I'm, like, I should have just asked for, like, some rare dunks. And, like, I didn't know anything about Dude, those rare stuff. dunks are worth so much money. Yeah, I didn't know anything about... I was just, like, oh, sick. Like, Nike's... This is dope. Like, everyone's nice. Like, I get to, like... <laughs> <laughs> everyone's pretty nice. Go do the shit. Went to Beaverton. Went to Nike... The Nike place. The, uh... What do they call it? The... Nike Town or whatever? I don't even know. It's the campus. The, the campus. campus. That's yeah. what they call it. I don't know. It was sick. I was, with, like... And a cool team. Like, Benny and... Dirks or was yeah Dirks was on. Nicholas Mueller, Mueller. Austin Smith, Justin Benny. Yeah, we're gonna give Benny an air horn. Um, well, while we're on this this subject of board career, because there's it's a there's like you kind of broke it down earlier in the kitchen. There's like three phases of Jed, right? So you have you have the early bobblehead Jed, Jed on the across the helmet. Then you got the Burton Forum Jed, and then you have so then phase two is like video grass Jed, video park guy, beat down rail god. Uh, we'll call call Matt, and so so kind of end of phase two, you filmed like I don't know how many video parts, online projects, just just beat shit down. But eventually, you had something happen with your sponsors and stuff. You want to just explain what happened and that whole period of your life after and everything. Sure. Yeah. So I was on Nike and Solomon for that, a po- pretty decent portion of that, uh, chapter of my career, and Nike decided to pull out of snowboarding. I think probably money reasons. Um, maybe they weren't getting the return that they expected or whatever. And it was, I mean, I, it sucks that it ended, but like, 
the whole time was chill and they carried out our contracts to the end it's like they could have been like we're done so it was sick that was just something that happened and I was still on Solomon so I wasn't really tripping and then that contract came up and <laughs> they're like we're not going to resign you and I was like the fuck like because I've been getting yeah like you said like last part I think I had a, the year that they dropped me I had snowboarder cover and interview and last part and yeah they dropped me so I was kind of just left in this position like I kind of like looked for sponsors and kind of like a harsh time to be looking for sponsors I guess in the industry never really found anything and just kind of like all right I guess that I'm just not gonna snowboard anymore because I went from yeah obviously making a living and then just to have zero support obviously I had money saved up but I was getting to an age mid-20s where I'm like okay like I need a job or like I can't really just like go do this for fun so yeah I just stopped snowboarding at that time rail god to just stop snowboarding and one thing before we get into what you were doing and all that, I noticed that when you walked away, there's like you just see comments or hear people say shit, and there was like kind of this. Maybe you said in an interview after the fact about how like if you're you know basically you allotted the fact like if I'm not being paid, I'm not gonna do this, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. can you just explain because like out of context, there's so many people that are like, but I would fucking kill for that opportunity. Or I would do this, but I, I would love to just like fuck those people up right now because they're kind of give them a sense of perspective of why that like why you did that like we touched on earlier it's like filming a video part is a lot of work and if you're trying to push snowboarding and yourself and risking your health it's not really comparable to just snowboarding for fun um and when you've been living that way and you've been i put in a lot of work i i and i still am trying to build my legacy and I, I have peers that I look up to that have these legacies, and I'm still working toward that. But I have, I had done a lot by that point. I had been on Nike. I had filmed fo- video every year, a video part, and like a lot of times, last part, getting a lot of photos and stuff. So it's like, I'm not just gonna like go and make that risk. And I've had injuries throughout the year. I've hit my head, like, I've hurt myself. And it's like, to me, it's not worth it. It's not worth my health. And it's I have to have self-respect for myself, too, to say, like, okay, like, I'm not going to just do what I've been doing. I've been getting paid. These companies are benefiting from this. We're marketing tools at the end of the day. Um, that's why they pay us, like, to make a to make them look a certain way or to give them, um, I don't know, credibility. credibility. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't make sense for me to go and do that for free or go and do that for a very minuscule amount of money for when I know someone else is going to benefit off of the risk of my health and my hard work. It's like, I don't know. Like I said, I was like 25 or 26. It's like, I'm not that young. Like I need to figure some other shit out then because I need to fucking pay bills and I have rent. I have to be able to live. Yeah. You didn't even go free ride at Sunshine or anything? I was living in Toronto at that point. Yeah, so you're far from mountains. Yeah, so I wasn't even, like, 
Like, I was still snowboarding when I moved to Toronto, and I was still on Solomon yeah. stuff. Yeah, Toronto does not have resort clothes. No, but it's like, and mm. I didn't have a car there. And snowboarding's not the same as just going and taking some turns at a resort. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, I didn't, none of my friends there snowboarded or had stopped snowboarding because they couldn't afford it. Yeah. So That makes sense to me. I was just like, all right, I'm just not going to, like, do this for a bit. And I felt, like, unmotivated. I'm like, okay, I've literally been doing my job pretty fucking good i felt like i mean i'm sure that i there was times where I, it was hard to work with um so then i'm like okay well fuck this i just felt like it was a slap in the face a bit and so i was just like pretty over it yeah, if you so, have an interview and covers well, from for my enders if yeah, yeah. from my perspective i i was just like yeah i get it jed jed deserves to be paid to go snowboarding he deserves to like he's earned that and the thing is, like, when people say that, it's like, well, you're not doing what Jed does. Like, Jed is going to this maybe a notable kink rail that everybody's seen, and he's going to do the hardest trick that's ever been done on that. He's going to do the hardest trick that's ever been done. If there's, It's not like, oh, he quit snoring. He did. Like, the tricks you're doing, you deserve to be paid for. You, you don't just go cab two back lip a fucking kink rail for fun. That's not fun. Yeah. That's like, hey, I'm here to fuck shit up and, like, let people know. Who the big dog is, and it, and it's like these people. A lot of these people that are saying that are, yeah, they're filming. They're also maybe they're also filming these video parts, but their goal is to get paid and be a professional snowboarder. It's like I already proved that. Like I already, at that point, I probably filmed like eight video parts. You've done the work, and like had a handful of interviews and like three or four covers. It's like if companies are like you said, if companies are going to be making money off of having you on the team, you're not going to do it for peanuts, like. There's no point. Like, hey, yeah. you want me to come on your team and sell a bunch of snowboards? Like, whatever team you go to is going to sell a bunch of snowboards because you're on that team. And like I said earlier, it's like health is everything. I'm not going to risk. I'm not going to risk my health. Like, it's not worth it. It's just straight up not worth it, especially at that age, mid twenties. It's like, if I'm not getting paid, if I'm not making a living doing this, it's like I should go do some other shit because, like, it's just not smart. Like, I can't. I can't jeopardize that for nothing. So, and I want to. I want to feel respected too. Yeah, it's a self respect. Like I, I know what I'm worth, and I, I ain't doing this shit for free. And that's yeah. yeah that's, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, fuck no, there's not. And I think a lot of people kind of maybe read that the wrong way, but I think it. I don't think it's a fucking hard thing to wrap your head around. <laughs> 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 I don't. It's <laughs> uh, a great point, Chad. I think you're right. Especially, yeah, you got to look to your future, too. You can't just be out there, especially if you hit your head before. I mean, geez. One thing if you're 17 years old. Yeah, if you're 17, you're like, is doing different. This, but when you're in, you got to pay your bills and snowboarding. Ain't Life gets real in your Life mid-20s. Gets real. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have said that shit is they maybe never have been doing it as a job. No, it's exactly. Different. I think that's probably it's exactly fucking different. It. It's yeah. not. It's not. The same as just going and snowboarding. It's no. there's a lot of pressure, a lot more to and it. there's a lot of pressure you put on yourself. And it might not be said, but with those big contracts comes big expectation too. Of course. Like, all right, like people always say, "Oh, I want that deal. I want that." Deal. Okay, well, when you get that deal, are you gonna deliver what's expected mm-hmm. of you from the brands? Are you supposed to use your own money to get out of Toronto to go on these trips to make yeah, shit happen? Wh- yeah, and like for what? Expensive. Do I? Have, it felt what it felt like if I were to do that. It's like. I'm trying to film another part to get sponsored. It's like, I've already filmed, like... Been there, done that. It's like, if I'm not... If people don't want to sponsor me off of, like, what I've already done, then, like, I, what am I going to... 
I, I don't know. Your I just resume say, it just, is already there. Yeah, right? like I already yeah. had the resume. I'm like, I don't want to have to go and pay for myself to like try to go a little bit harder to like hopefully like get a sponsor. I don't it know. just says something about where snowboarding was at the time, I guess, that yeah, you weren't just, able to get the sponsor. Yeah. Well, let's talk about at that point you walk away from snowboarding and everybody was like, dude, where's Jed? You're kind of this like misty human. I hadn't, I wasn't like talking to you a lot. I just didn't hear a lot from you. Like, What were you doing in that period of like walking away from snowboarding? Trying to, basically what I said earlier was just trying to like be like, okay, what are my other options? Like if I'm not going to snowboard, trying to figure it out. I had saved, like I said, I haven't really been one to spend a lot of my money. So I had a chunk of money to live off of for the time being. I don't know. It was kind of just like a, a it sounds corny, find yourself. I don't think that's what I was doing, but I, I was just confused because all I knew was snowboarding. I think I was just in limbo of like, am I going to go to school? Am I going to try to find a job? I was kind of dipping my toes in all sorts of shit. And I don't think it was like necessarily a healthy time for me, but it was a necessary time. And it definitely, when snowboarding did come back, it made me appreciate it in a different way. I was also dealing with, yeah, a lot of mental health issues um, prior to getting dropped by Solomon too, which I think Solomon was frustrated with just maybe me. I'm like, they're like, oh, let's go on. I mentioned this in this tournament interview a little bit, but like, like there's like a board test thing we need you to go on or something. And like in the, that time, it's like I'm in a really dark place and like I can't, can't be around people but I'm also not comfortable how I am now with saying like I have these issues like I can't fucking come so I would just be like no I'm not coming and then that they would take that as like Jed doesn't care about the brand so like I can see how it can be interpreted that way same point it's like I was fulfilling everything and beyond in my contract so it was still a little confusing but I also get you want to work with people that are easy to work with maybe I wasn't the easiest person to work with well, and if they didn't understand why you weren't going, they maybe thought you were too cool to go support the brand in that way. Yeah. You only wanted to film your video parts, and you didn't want to be the team player. And, and had they really known what was going on, it could have been different. It could have been different, maybe. Maybe. And but at the same time, it's like I'm doing everything that's in the fucking contract. Yeah, so, that's that's. What's and I'm up. doing it. I'm getting all my incentives. Like, sorry that I'm not fucking going to like this board test, but I'm doing everything else like to the the best <laughs> yeah that I can do and it happens with other brands and other people it's like you mm-hmm. see it all the time you do everything to the best of your ability J2 used to always joke like do less because the second you do everything you're supposed to do your brand's just going to cut you mm-hmm. it's back when Burton used to do that to a lot of his friends back in the day but it's also yeah it's, it's, like a, it's like yeah. a fucked up thing it's like this is a legal contract I'm going to do what's in it and you're meeting all the points and it's like, I'm not, I don't know. It's like, people aren't going to work overtime in another job for free. True. They're not going to be like, oh, like, I'm going to just fucking do this. It's like, no. But I don't know. There's like different ways to look at it. Like yeah. now it's like, I'm in a better place and I'm able to be more open with my sponsors and like, I'm, and I fuck with my sponsors like heavy. So I want to like be a part of that more. Maybe I, I don't know. Dude, That's it's cool. different time. Dude, you know, it's an interesting thing. Like Jed and I shared a pro model through this whole time. A yeah. board called the Salamander. And so that was a strong board too, and, right? So when it happened, like it's just it was a weird I you know, 
I can't bite the hand that feeds me. I don't, you know, you're like in this thing, not to make it about myself, but it was, it was a strange time for sure. You're like, wait, what? You know? What? Yeah. But no hard feelings. But ended up know. being a goddamn Cinderella story. Well, yeah, it was the best, probably like. Well, seeing you come back was pretty exciting and cool for snowboarding, you know? And I was excited too. Um, and I don't know, everything that's happened, like with like the special blend form thing, and then like I needed that break to kind of figure some shit out. And then I came back, and then, like, I think I just needed that again to kind of, like, come back confident and excited. And so, at during the time, I'm like, this fucking sucks. Like, I'm not getting it. I don't have an income anymore. Like, I am literally don't have a job. I'm used to making money. <laughs> did you go work any shitty jobs? I don't know. I didn't. Well, I did, I did like, money free, saved I, I did freelance shit. Like, and I still do. I... Um, kind of got into like graphic design and that's dope. Working with some other brands, um, and yeah, it, it was it was still overall like I think a really positive thing that happened. And it's funny how uh, most things in my life that at the time seem like these drastic negative changes are usually for the best. Yeah, because now the, the now fact that you're good. able to to see that is a it's huge huge mark of growth. Like that this thing that seems the most devastating worst thing happened to be like. I heard you say it earlier, like this, that might've been one of the better things that happened to me and finding that. Cause it's, it's hard to do that. And it, and, uh, cause the way, you know, you went through, you, you had that period where you're like kind of depressed and lost and figuring it out. And I heard you were living at Danny Cass's house. That was like pre, I w- that was like pre Toronto. Oh, that was pre Toronto. Yeah. Oh, that was in New York city when you were doing, there's a phase in your, well, let, let's just, can we just touch on randomly living at Danny Cass's yeah, condo for a little bit? Dude. <laughs> I don't even, I don't know exactly what year that was, but I think I just ran into Danny, like, doing some Nike shit. I think I expressed some interest in coming to New York for a period of time. He's like, I have a house there, or, like, I have a condo there, like, that I'm never at if you want to rent it or something. And I hit him up, and I ended up renting it for, like, a month and a half. In the city? In the It was in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. That must have been a pretty cool time. Yeah, it was cool. It was just, like, off the L train, just, like, just into Brooklyn. Grandma on the L. And you were doing art school or some shit at that time? I did. I went to uh, the art school there for like a fucking month. But like that was like, dude, I think that I was like 19 or 20 because that's like right when I started really dealing with the mental health shit. And I just like wasn't in a place to be going to school at all and living in an unfamiliar place. But it was still, yeah, really fucking (laughs) weird time living there. His house was like really wild, like art, weird art and shit. I came down one day, Brains for Fransky's just sleeping on the couch. Like I was there alone. <laughs> and I came down like, oh, Brains for Fransky, like on the couch. Like I thought I was renting this place for a month. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, oh, just go stay in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was pretty funny. Yeah. He's just all, Danny said I could crash. Yeah, he says like, Danny, I hit up Danny, I'm going to stay here for the weekend. I was like, word. Did he give you, like, a good deal on this sick place? Because New York's pretty expensive. I think it was, like, a G or something. <laughs> yeah. For, like, that, showing for up. that place was, like... Yeah, probably a deal, huh? Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Dude, well, I got another guest question, and this one's from uh, Hava Fernandez, who got us both on Salmon and been a big uh, part of both of our lives. And um, randomly, before we get into this guest question, I want to tell this quick story about Hava because he's... One of the funnier stories I've ever had. When we were on Solomon, there used to be a travel agency back in the day. Okay. It would book all of our tickets. 
And you'd be like, hey, I need to fly to like Calgary for this rail trip. He'd be like, okay, hold on. Let me get out the Solomon travel agent on the phone. And there'd be these three-way calls. So there'd be like myself, Hava, travel agent, who is a woman. I don't know her name. God bless her soul. But I remember one point Hava was booking a plane ticket for me. And he wanted to just fuck with, I think, me and the travel agent. So he started clearing his throat. Like mid conversation, so she'd be like, "So, uh, yeah, do you want to sit aisle?" And he'd be like, <clears throat> "And you'd be like, and I knew what he was doing." And he'd be like, "Do you want aisle or backseat?" <laughs> and then like, and then she'd be like asking all these, "So, what's your birthday?" And he's like, "Sorry, like, Sorry I have something stuck in my throat." And I'm like sitting there, and I remember like I had tears. I couldn't talk because like Ava would do this thing where he'd clear his throat randomly. Like, sorry, I'm just. Ha! Ha! And like, <laughs> anyway, I like, couldn't even talk to this poor travel agent lady, but that was fucking fun times traveling with that guy. Uh, and now we have a guest question presented by Solomon from none other than Hava Fernandez. Here we go. Hello, bombhole. Hava Fernandez here. <clears throat> Jed, <laughs> curious. What is particularly difficult for you on a snowboard? You had a front row seat to watch you do it for a really long time, and it didn't seem like there was much of anything. Although I'm sure there's something. Anyways, love you guys. Thank you for uh, always making me look like I knew what I was doing out there, even though we both know I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Fuck me. Anyways, <laughs> love you guys. Talk to you soon. <laughs> you get Hava's humor there a little bit. That's that awesome. A little taste of humor. Of Hava's humor. What's hard for me snowboarding? Fucking a lot. Grabbing melon is really hard. Grabbing Japan is really hard. Anything front hand behind the bindings is really hard for me. Um, fucking you get short arms. I don't fucking know. I can <laughs> grab backhand fine. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably just getting stiffer too. And then also, yeah, thank for the kind words with that too, Hava. But um, I don't know. Like a lot of shit. I think like a lot of. I know. I've heard the, on the podcast you talk about a lot about like people who aren't like naturally talented and then there's people who are naturally talented, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, I think that's true. But, and I think like a lot of times people like say that about me, they're like, Oh, he's like really like naturally talented. And like, like I, I work pretty fucking hard though. Like I was so obsessed with snowboarding as a young kid. Like the amount of hours that I put in is like ruthless, I think. So <laughs> I don't know. There's still a lot that's like hard. Good, he's got good fundies. So he he's got it. good fundamentals. Yeah. Good fundies. Yeah. If you got but, good fundies, you can do it. Well, I think what Andy Wright was trying to say when he said you were lazy is that you're really naturally talented, so you mm-hmm. can be lazy, but it sounds like you put in the work early and no one just nobody saw it. Maybe. I, I do have to say, Jed, though, like, all right, I know that you learned all your shit at a young age and you worked super hard, but like, I've been skating with you before where you're like, you just, I remember skating high cascades specifically. And I think you just, you'd never done a frontside flip. And then you just did one. You just tried one, did it. And then you could just frontside flip. Like it was, it was, I've seen you learn shit at a, at a great rate, at a faster rate than the average. Maybe. I don't know. That's really nice. <laughs> I, I don't fucking know. Skating's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some humble points going right now, but no, I, I, I mean, I don't want to be annoyingly humble, but. Either though that shit is fucking annoying when you no. are, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't fucking know. It's, yeah, it's a weird topic, but yeah, you know, it's a good point to say that like, oh, that guy's talented. Well, yeah, he put in all the work when he's a kid, so like, it's not necessarily he just got really good when he was like a bobblehead. 
So, but yeah. at the end of the day, like my buddy's a, a snowboard coach, uh, Pops, and he was saying, he's just like, you know, you take all these kids at the same age and ability level, and he's like, some people, they just got it. Like, that's that's a thing. Like, you know, some people are more coordinated than other people. Yeah. That's a fact, yeah. You know, but hard work is a definitely a determining factor. Hunger, too. Oh, drive. Yeah, drive. That's it. That's the main factor, drive. Well, I think it's time to uh, hit a quick Wild Mike's ad read. Here we go. Uh, so, uh, Wild Mike's is basically doing a cool little giveaway deal. If you work at a ski resort, mountain shop, or any other business in the snowboarding or skiing world, Wild Mike's will send you a free pizza and stickers to share with your coworkers. Just DM them at Wild Mike's Pizza with a photo of your employee lift pass or other proof of employment. This promotion runs through May 1st and is open to U.S. residents only. Shout out to Wild Mike's. We love hammering their pizza. So uh, I'm going to have a Patreon question for you from Aiden Newsom. He wants to know about your art. How did you get into it, and what mediums are you into using? Um. Okay. I mean, I've always, like Chris said, I always kind of was drawing as a kid, too. Always had a sketchbook around and just always interested in drawing and paintings and stuff. And I'm just still, it's all, just been a lot of trial and error for me. Um, I just like the feeling of creating something whether it's like a video part or a drawing or a painting, like I just get a lot of satisfaction from that. Just having, maybe not even having an idea, but just like, like I made this shit. Like, I don't know. I just really like that feeling. But um, as far as mediums go, I've pretty much just try to fuck around with like, lately it's been a lot of like pencil crayons and acrylic painting, but also uh, messing around with like, uh, my printer and doing scanning and stuff like that. That's also the exciting part about um, making images or whether it's a painting or a drawing or whatever. It's kind of never ending. So does that pretty much answer the yeah, show? Yeah, that's a great Have answer. you always made your own board graphics and all that? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I'm psyched. Like, it's really cool to have a collection of them. Like I saw in Chris's house, like he also has a collection of them. But um, I don't know. I always liked when... Like growing up, when people I knew people made their own graphics, and I if I liked them as a snowboarder or a skateboarder, it just made it a little way that better. much more special, more interesting to get that. Like I'm like this is like their pro model, like they designed it or what, I don't know. It's just cool. I agree. It makes yeah. it that much cooler, and you get to look into the mind of that person mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Now uh, earlier we had a question from Hava Fernandez, and he sent me two. I didn't end up uploading this other guest question, but he also had a question that was basically. What gives you satisfaction is essentially what he asked. That's an insanely broad question. <laughs> that's, is, why, that's why we didn't go with it. But Is he talking snowboarding yeah, he or I think life? life? Snowboarding. Probably both. Yeah, like how do, you, how do you get a sense of satisfaction in the world? Like what, what, yeah, life. He probably means life at this stage in yeah, Hava's life. I would say life. Making the people I care about like happy gives me a lot of satisfaction. And... Uh, like treating myself and other people properly and also with snowboarding and in life, like I said, with art too, it's like uh, starting doing something from start to finish and having that finished product is super satisfying or, and also with snowboarding, scaring yourself and getting over that fear and getting the clip is like the best clip addict clip fiends. Clip high. Mm Mm-hmm. 
That's sick. That's a phenomenal answer. I love that. And that's a, that's another thing, you know, this is a different rabbit hole. Who knows where it'll go, but you think about what a video, what a, when you film a trick and you save it for this video part, this segment, and there's this broader picture of, I want it to all come together in this certain way, like the way, in the way you do with the song. It's what essentially it is, is it's prolonged gratification, right? And, and in this world, we're in the world of instant gratification. Fuck, give me the clip. I'm going to throw that shit on the gram. And it's like, what do you? What are your thoughts are on giving the clip throw on the gram versus the prolonged gratification of like, I'm building a little masterpiece here. I mean, I think a video part is timeless. I think that there's a way to do it and a way that it's been done, and there's a formula. Whether it's a year or two years or whatever, it's just special. It's like you take the times to. It's nothing is ever going to beat that. Like a single clip is going to get lost on the internet, on Instagram. You have a video part that you put that much effort into. It can't be beat, in my opinion. I think it's important. I think it's the, like, standard that you have to hold yourself to. I don't. I hope it doesn't ever go away. I think, like, it, to be a professional snowboarder, unless you're, like, a contest dude, it's like, you have to be able to film a video part, a good video part. Like, I don't care about one clip. It's like you have to be able to deal with all the shit and like all the trials, all the work that you put in filming that video part. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think that's like a good test of like to see if someone deserves to be professional snowboarder, in my opinion. And I agree. And that kid that puts out that one clip, he's almost shooting himself in the foot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hold on to that shit. For, film for like for a day. People are hyped. Yeah, film like fucking fifteen more clips. Make it memorable. Yeah, but it is hard. It's like I don't know. I get that feeling too. Sometimes when I post something on Instagram, even if it's not snowboarding or whatever, and you're like, "Damn, this thing's like getting a lot of likes." It's like, what the fuck am I talking about? Like, yeah. Like, but that shit feels good. I don't know. True. It's just it's just a like dopamine hit. Yeah, and it's just I don't know. It's, yeah, good feeling. Well, well, on the subject of a uh, video part stuff, one thing that's non-snowboarding related is uh, the blue. T- is it the blue tile video? Is that what it's called? The baby blue. Okay, yeah. You filmed a part for that, mm-hmm. which is probably your most notable skate part, mm-hmm. and uh, it's fucking incredible. And in that, you did pro skateboard caliber maneuvers. Uh, one of them being like board sliding that big ass fucking kink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, dude. That's fucking sick. Yeah, I was hyped for you on that. And how was that whole process of board sliding that hog and all those clips? I wouldn't say it's professional level skateboarding at all, but it was, it it was just the same as filming a snowboard part. It, I love filming skating too. It's just different. It's like I know my levels are different with them, but it's like it's like skating is fucking gnarly. It's hard, and like I think snowboarding is easier for my for me than skating is, but. That I mean, I was really psyched to just film a video, like a skateboard video part. It was just really cool to be able to do an air horn for blue tile. Yeah, that video is sick. Like Rob and Rich and Mike and everyone, Sean who worked there and help out with the shop. Like they're the best. Like I, I get all my boxes sent there and I have a little section with my snowboard shit. And I don't know. Those dudes are fucking the best. I don't know if like from moving to Toronto, like those. They all open, like, welcome me with open arms, you know? 
So it's cool to be a part of a shop like that. They have such an amazing legacy. It's pretty cool as uh, for us as like snowboard. Like I'm a snowboard skateboarder, but it's like purely recreational. It's like a, I don't, it whatever. But then seeing you out there on the same like you're out there with in the same video with the most respected dudes in Toronto, and it's got to be cool to be on that level with those dudes, huh? even though they're they're your homies, maybe. But oh no, yeah, it's fucking really cool. It's awesome. We were making, this is a bit of a side note, but just a pretty funny little story. Um, so Spitfire was making this clip. They wanted to make like a Canada kind of clip. And they got Jake to do it, Kuzik. So we were out in Montreal. It was me and Jake were going there to film initially and then like with like some of our friends. But it was like the same time as like the Dime Glory Challenge. So at one point it was just like me and Jake... And then like Alyssa Steamer and Brad Cromer. And then those, they all had to go to the airport and they just left me and Jake with like the van to like go film. And we were just like, look at each other like, what the fuck? This is like, in this is so crazy. Like <laughs> we're just in, oh, me and Jake have the Spitfire van to go skate. <laughs> like how did this happen? Like we were just both laughing. Like this is ridiculous. I don't know how this ever happened, but just, just a funny little yeah, it's incredible. That. It's incredible. And I think ninety percent of snowboarders like love skating. So to like get peel the curtain back on any of that stuff, man, it's just cool. Yeah. It's cool. And you gotta put so much and it's like think about the people that are out there that are professional. They have like they go all winter, they skate all winter. It's like you got fifty percent of the time, maybe like forty percent, you know. I don't know. But you I, know what you you purely love it more. It's a in some senses. Yeah. I I don't even know if I like skating more than snowboarding anymore. Like, I definitely used to say that. But I come to the realization that I don't think they're really even comparable. Like, they're so fucking different than one another. Like, I don't even think you can compare them. I think they're both awesome. It's nice with skating where you don't have the anxiety of expectation from anybody to do anything. That's what makes yeah, skating maybe more therapeutic because you're like, nobody expects me to be good at this thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, the thing that I think if you're going to, you know, if we're going to talk about this is that i just love catching air on a snowboard that's the one thing that makes it like you can go fast as fuck snowboarding it's so cool Mm -hmm. and something i didn't appreciate as a younger person and especially going back being on this trip and being in the mountains being in the middle of nowhere it's like you ride a snowmobile or you hike way out into these mountains and you're just like with four of your friends in the middle of like that's a pretty wild feeling and something I never really paid attention to when I was younger. But I, I appreciate things like that about snowboarding now that I didn't th- ever think about before. So you took your break from snowboarding, and then you were doing your thing, and then do you want to explain, a lot of people probably don't know about how you kind of like probably got an oppor- the opportunity and the secret filming and the video part and all that stuff. Mm. So yeah, I think I stopped snowboarding for two or three years, and... At the beginning of that, I was trying, I was, there was talk of maybe being able to get on Adidas, um, because Evan, who, Evan Lafibra, give him my air horn, worked at Adidas, and, uh, I knew him from just our group of friends, Skeleton Crew, everything like that, so I tried to get on at that point, and wasn't happening, and kind of just fizzled out, like, they kind of were like, there might be some opportunity. Like, I don't know. 
never ended up happening. Kind of forgot about snowboarding. Like I honestly didn't think I was ever gonna really snowboard again. And then two years down the line, I, Wiz Alex Sherman Airhorn, of course, got a job at Adidas. Alex or uh, sorry, Evan is still there. And they hit me up and they're like, I think that we can make it happen now if you want to try to like start snowboarding again. And it was such like a sidelined idea for me at that point. Like I, I felt so separated from it and I, I don't know, wasn't really ever thinking that that was going to happen. And it took me maybe a couple of weeks to think about it. And I was like, I don't know, watching videos and stuff. And I was like, fuck, I should just try, see like what's good. Like see if I can... I don't know, it seems like a pretty cool opportunity. And then, yeah, just went on it. The first trip we went on was to Montreal. It was me. I think it, was it just me and Wiz? I snowed with Dylan, Ojo. Mm -hmm. And was anyone else there? I'm trying to think. I think it was just me, Wiz, and Dylan snowboarding. Wiz got clips on that trip. Really sick clips. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. Shout out to Dylan, obviously. Of yeah, big air Rest horn. in peace. Rest in peace, still. Um. Yeah, sorry, I got kind of side sidetracked, but no, it was really cool. It was like that was a really awesome trip, and I think the vibe was just right. Like with Dylan and Alex, and everyone's like, "Fuck yeah!" Like we're gonna like like you go snowboard again, and it just felt right. It just felt right again. How did it, how was it getting into the boarding again? Like hadn't really strapped in for a couple of years. Like were you, were you rusty or was the shit like working? Dude, somehow it, I wasn't that rusty. Like I, the first, it's, I think it's in the part. I like switch board slid like a double king elbow drill. Yeah, I know the strap. Yeah. That was the first thing that I like hit. I don't know. I'd been skating so much too though. So I was like, it kind of, I think I was just like, Oh yeah, it feels like the same. I think I rode down like a hill or something. It was like ollieing around and maybe did like a back one eighty or something. I was like, <laughs> just right to switchboard. Yeah, two or three it. years <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, then yeah, then that was like a year or whatever that I was filming that part, and it was all I don't know. It was super weird because they're like, we're gonna keep it a secret. So like that shit was like mad weird because obviously people start asking, like, "Have you been snowboarding?" And I'm not supposed to say anything. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, fuck, I don't, I don't know how to navigate this. This is so, <laughs> so weird. But also in my head, I was like, it would be kind of cool if like just no one knew. And then I one day they just open up their computer and there's a new part. And I think for a lot of people it was that. Yeah, which is cool. I don't know. Dude, I don't know if I that that, that, that no, explain <laughs> shit. Right? No, no, you explained it great. Uh, it's a confusing story. No, like it, that, for the outsider, I didn't hear about it till like maybe right before it came out and there's like I had talks of it or maybe, maybe a few months, but dude, it was fucking incredible. Like nobody hears from you for three years. You're off the radar. And then it wasn't just like, Oh, like he's dipping his toe back into the video part. It's like, Hey, I'm back. And I just fucked everybody up. <laughs> like that must've been, how was the response on your end from, from people? You know, that must've been crazy. It was super cool. It was amazing. Just like, Obviously, there's people, like, hating about, uh, on the money shit. And being like, he's only coming back for, like, money. And it's like, I guess, in a sense, like, I w I'm coming back for support, but I'm coming back because the company, like, it's respects me. <laughs> and, like, that's exactly how I felt from Adidas is, like, they wanted to support me, and in return, I want to support them. So, yeah, I don't know. And for the most part, yeah, people were, 
were really supportive and it was a pretty fucking cool feeling to like come back and it was sorry to backtrack a bit but snowboarding it just felt different it felt I felt more excited again I needed like the break I've been just filming video part after video part it's just like clockwork you know Mm -hmm. not to say that it came easy like that but it just like was such a pattern it's like oh yeah in hood in the summer I go to hood and then winter's gonna come around I'm gonna film a video part and it didn't it just started to feel less special so like when I came when I didn't have that for a bit and I came back and I was like I forget how this feels like I I don't know it's It's like you lose a a girlfriend or something gets taken away from you and then you have this new appreciation for mm -hmm. it the same thing and I've heard that from like a lot of the close friends I've talked to of yours of ours that you know prep preparing for this conversation they're they're like everybody's just like Jed has a new appreciation for snowboarding even you and um you know, to, to really validate that statement, Kuzik told me a really cool story about how this year you're on a trip and you woke up at like three or four in the morning and like left the house and set up a spot and yeah. then came and woke everybody up and hit it at like six or something. Yeah. It's like, dude, Jed from 2013 or 15, you would, you ain't doing that. No. Like that's, that's new Jed, the like new appreciation Jed. Yeah. So you just couldn't sleep or what? Well, it was at a government building, uh, and like had to hit it I went the time. night before and set up most of it, and then I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was just thinking about it because I was scared too, and I was like, I was like, I don't think I put enough snow there, <laughs> and I was just like, I'm just gonna go fucking set it up proper. So I just went and set it up by and, yourself. Yeah, that's so sick. And then just came back and grabbed everyone, and did it. That's pretty rad. And like when you do shit like that. It, the clip feels so much better too. You're like, I don't know. It's worth it. It's so worth it. Do you think the Jed, like, let, let's say hypothetically this show existed a few years ago, like, do you feel like the Jed a few years ago would have come on this show or like been down? It's hard. I, it's hard to like go back into that mindset, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like you love snowboard now. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Which, like back, back for before it didn't. It, it, it's like you. You love getting A grades, but maybe like riding Woodward wasn't your shit. But this is a conversation Jake queued up too. Um, he was basically saying that like, you know, a person like yourself that suffers from mental, mentally being tormented at times, right? From number of things like, like the, the filming requires such a deep focus when you're working towards a video part and trying a really hard trick that it requires such a deep focus that sometimes going and riding the resort doesn't fill the void in the same way. No, for sure. Can you, like, elaborate on that? I think I needed that intensity of being scared and all those emotions to, like, weirdly get that, like, enjoyment of getting the clip, which for that was where the enjoyment came from, was getting the clip. When you're riding the resort, there's just a lot of time on the chairlift to think and, like, to dwell, and your concentration doesn't need to be as intense. So I think when that stuff's not quiet, it's hard to be in the moment and enjoy really anything. So I think, yeah, that definitely took took away a lot of that shit that I enjoyed when I was younger. Yeah, that's, I think it's fascinating that somebody that's like, has mental anguish and stuff like it requires, in order to like take yourself out of that space, it requires things that take deep focus like take skateboarding you have to you can't just be like 
oh, what am I going to have for lunch? As you're like trying to crooked grind a rail, you're like, you'll yeah. fucking die. Yeah. Like you got to be like really focused. Same with trying a hard trick on a snowboard. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just cruising down the resort doesn't have that same effect because you can be like, am I going to have a sandwich or am I going <laughs> to yeah, have yeah. Uh, bologna for lunch or what are we going to eat? Yeah. I don't know. I think that stuff's kind of fascinating. Well, we've been talking a lot about Jake. Let's just, uh, let's hit a little uh, guest question from none other. Then Jake Kuzik. Here we go. Hey guys, this is Jake Kuzik. Uh, Chris hit me up and asked me to come up with a question for Jed. Um, so I was thinking, Jed, do you have a favorite video part or maybe like a favorite trick or just something that you are really proud of that you've done over the last uh, whatever it's been, like 20 years or something now? But <laughs> I uh, I think people just watch your video parts and they, they just think it's all like really easy for you or something and you're like barely trying but I know that you like you put a lot of work into stuff and um, you really care how it looks and how it comes out so I think it would just be interesting to hear kind of what's something that you're you're proud of and uh, you really you really felt turned out the way you were uh, excited to see it so yeah thanks guys Thanks for the question, Jake. Um, I definitely have like a handful of tricks that I'm proud of. As far as like a, a whole project goes, like I don't think that I've made something like that I'm satisfied with yet, and maybe I won't ever. I think that's kind of typical, though. Like. Maybe I was satisfied the day, the first day I watched it, and then I watch it like a couple more times. And I'm like, uh, whatever. But tricks, shit, ones that stick out to me that maybe the switchback lip on the triple kink, like a, in Sweden, in Sweden, that just that trick on that kind of rail at that time, I felt very like proud of myself for doing that backlit pretzel in Rhode Island that we could talk about that story because that's pretty funny too yeah. yeah I was I was there was yeah Chris was there fun. for that one were you there for the switch backlit too no I wasn't okay I think like those two and then more in more recent years I don't know like it all kind of blends together but like definitely in like my Adidas part, there is some, I like all those Japan clips and I think I, not one in particular, I just thought that that was like a really fun trip. Like we were with like Derek and I don't know, being in Japan is just so cool. So I, when I look back at those clips, it's just like I have fond memories and um, it's not necessarily maybe the tricks, but I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Even. But I, I can watch it and it's like gives me a good feeling and I'm like proud of it and I'm just proud of that, how that trip went mm-hmm. and like, Hanging with Tommy and Derek and everyone, Meyer, and we had New Year's there, and like just lots of funny stories. So, like, when I watch that footage, it gives me like that good feeling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the road, I feel like the Rhode Island clip is like a pretty funny one to talk about. Yeah, let's get into it. Well, I don't know. Like, I th- I just wanted to backlip it. Like, I, I backlip pretzel it on accident. <laughs> or, or, like, I mean, I wasn't, when I was dropping in, I wasn't like, I'm going to backlit pretzel this. But like, when I hit the first kink, I was like, I think I can pretzel out right now. <laughs> so like, it just kind of happened. I don't know. I, I A lot of people ask me about that because I, I think it kind of looks accidental, but I don't know. I just think it's a funny story. 
Incredible. And you hadn't really like gone off the end before that or no. not even gotten particularly like that close. close. Yeah. It just was a lock. And then I just think it's funny. Like our, both of our reactions. I just love the, that. I really like that clip just for that. Like I'm really psyched on like the trick and like the difficulty and like how it looked and everything. But I also, I don't know. Everyone was just, we were all just like, Oh shit! Like, you can hear me laughing yeah, hysterically yeah. in the background. I think I'm out. laughing too. I yeah, think Ollie's right. also laughing. We're all just like, "What the fuck? That was like, that was like such a fluke." But like, I guess I landed it. So when you did that, I made a meme. Uh, I don't know if it's called a meme, whatever. Fucking old. <laughs> uh, it's kind of embarrassing. I don't know. Fossil, but like just fossil. A couple, couple of dinosaurs here, but I made an internet thing that um, it was a guy. It was a uh, from Goodwill Hunting. And uh, Matt Damon plays a character who can do math very easy, but he's a janitor for Harvard, and he solves the math problems on the wall while all the kids are at school. All the Harvard smart kids are, are going there. He's just the, cust- like the custodian that does it at night. And everybody's like, who solved these impossible math problems? Ends up being Matt Damon. But at one point in that movie, he um, the teacher like wants him so badly to be this great math person, and he does this big math problem, and he's like, do you know how fucking easy this is for me? This is a fucking joke. And I put that after Jed's backlit pretzel because that's how I felt like it, snowboarding was for him. And uh, the internet loved it. We can we can dig that fossil The internet up. loved it. And um, Matt Damon. But yeah, Matt Damon. Was Affleck in that movie too? Uh, he might have a brief, brief part. I don't think he's a main character in that. I don't remember though. I think that's a meme. We got another notable. Okay. The front flip. When you're ac- accidental front flip while filming, switch front flip. Yeah. Where you're riding and you clip the wall and you do a front flip and you land directly on your feet. Probably your most viral clip of all time. Dude, it's like on, there's like mad views on it. And there's people arguing in the comments like, this is clearly fake. Like, oh, they think it's fake. Yeah. <laughs> then, and people will say shit, the camera pans all weird or something. It's like, clear, this is clearly fake. And then other people are like, no, it's not. It's in this video, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Too. So is it fake? Or it's no? called like Luckiest Snowboarder Alive, I think, on YouTube. <laughs> what? Yeah. Really? I think it has like over 100,000 views. Wow. Yeah. Viral. It's a great name. But um, yeah, I was just trying to switch Ollie the retaining wall and clipped. So it's not fake for the, just to be not clear. Fake, yeah. For the listeners and viewers, it is real. We should get into your setup. I'm noticing it has no forward lean. You did the art yourself on the board. Uh, yeah. Let's hear a little bit about what you got going on. Okay. Yeah, this is the Ride Kink 151. Um, kind of my board now. Or, like, I do the graphic for it and everything. Um, I guess I could, like, flip it around, too. That's sick. Yeah, this is next year's. But um, did the art and everything for it. I'm really psyched that they allowed me to take over this board. I remember watching, uh, like, Hebel and stuff. Ride the King. That's why I know that name. Huh? Hebel used to always yeah, Hebel have the had, Ride King. Hebel had like the Sunset board. I remember that. Yeah, that board was really sick. And then, yeah, the bindings. I think these are the, yeah, that Ride A6s. But I always take the forward lean off. Just pop those right off. I want to try to snowboard with forward lean. Like I see, like I was riding with Nick Baden, and I know like stacks, like they all ride forward lean. And I'm sure it helps, but for me, it just feels so fucked up. Did you win the half-pipe contest with no forward lean? I think so. I don't think I've ever... I think I've always kind of taken it off. It just feels, like, too crazy. But, yeah, that's the that's the. What setup. about your uh, stance with... Oh, and, stance and is about 20 inches, roughly. 
And I don't know the angles, to be really? completely honest. You just, whatever feels good, feels good. The front foot's a little more that way, and the back foot's just a little <laughs> bit out. A little bit duck? Yeah. Just a tiny bit duck, yeah. That's crazy. So when you set up a board, you don't know exactly what it is, whatever looks right. Yeah. Is right. I'll measure the width. like Yeah, 20 inches. Between 19 and a half to 20 and a half. Pretty much. Always. Ballpark. When they got you out in the backcountry on this trip, did you pull it in the back seat a little bit? Yeah, set, set back. I don't know, I was on a 57. Nice. Yeah. I was riding a 54 for a bit, and then couldn't land shit. Yeah, so. if you want to land, you got to <laughs> scale up a little so I bit. to scale up, yeah. But, no, super fun. That board looks dope. Thank you. 2022, that's what we're saying. I think so. That's shit, sick. I should probably know that. No, I'm sure. <laughs> he's sure the, he's like pretending to be tech guy. I see this dude, he takes shit out of the plastic Straps his bindings on, doesn't know what the fuck's what going on. What about detune? Any edge detune? Slight. Slight. Not fully round. I used to definitely go fully round, but I like to have a little bit of an edge now. Yeah. Soft dogger. That's the soft. Is it soft? Dog. It's not that soft. The kink? A little soft. Give oh. it a flex. Dude, I, yeah, I feel like... A, I'll give this thing a little flex. pop. See what's really I don't like on. a super soft board. I always thought the kink was the soft Oh, dude, that is a. But it's got. It's actually has. It's soft, but right there it has a little. Eh? Little kickback. Eh? Dude, ride knows what they they're doing. They've been making boards a long ass time. Yeah. I mean, the kink alone. Yeah, it's an old. It's yeah, like I remember Hebel riding that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's been around a long time. Another subject that's a common thing um, on IG. You know, IG Instagram. A lot of people spend a lot of time staring at their phone. You don't do a lot of uh, self promotion on there. You notice. Pretty common for the old boarders to uh, self-promote. I want to look up luckiest. Yeah, so <laughs> we need to throw that bit up. Oh yeah, it's a classic. <laughs> luckiest nowhere alive. That's I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Last yeah. time I fucking looked it up. So what's up with the gram? How come? Uh, how come you don't uh, whore yourself out and self-promote <laughs> like the average person in that gets paid to board does? I th- think a part of it is that I'm lucky enough to have it in my con. I don't have that shit in my contracts, or I haven't yet, which is pretty cool. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm, I just, I don't like seeing that shit. So I just want to, I just post shit that I would like to see or that I think is interesting. That's pretty much it. And I also, yeah, I don't know. I get annoyed when people just constantly posting about themselves. That's just me though. But like, yeah, that's, there's not too much to it. No, I, I love just, it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't um, know. I just, like, I don't want to... I, like, get self-conscious sometimes, too, posting, like... Sh- I'm like, oh, I just... Po- I don't want to post two things in a row of myself or something. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. No, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I just, like, I like... Like, growing up, I didn't know shit about any of my favorite snowboarders. And... I don't really want to. Unless I meet them. Then that I want to. Like, if we have a relationship, that's cool. But I don't really, like want to know everything about these people the misty factors you want that's that's definitely real you want like you're more you're almost more interested when you don't know you're yeah like, and that? it's not it's not something i'm doing on i'm not like gonna be like oh i want to be like this mysterious like <laughs> fucking dude you're that not no one knows it. i'm just like i'm just gonna post like what i well i gotta i gotta ask cool. another question because as a as a dude that is like out of touch with a lot of things right like i I don't know. I don't know about it, like a lot of the scenes. Like, I'm looking at. I was like looking at Graham the other day. I'm looking. There's like a picture. Of, like, let's just take example. Like a brick wall. I'm like, 
What I'm just like, what what am I looking at here? Who is posting a picture of a brick wall? Yeah, I, don't I don't know, know. pictures of brick walls. <laughs> what? There's no pictures of brick walls. It was I swear to god it was like just a wall. Maybe, I don't know. I'd have to see the photo, I guess, but I guess a lot of it I look at it I don't know, like a lot of just like composition or colors. Okay. Uh, yeah, some people I, I, are looking at lines. I'm pretty like I'm pretty. I, I really like artists. photography too. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah, it's not. There's like different thing. I don't know. Just, I just if it looks interesting, I don't know. I like, like that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. It looks interesting because I'm looking. I'm like, what the fuck am I looking at here? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's I'm a, a little wall. bit more hollow headed in that sense yeah, where yeah. I'm like, you know, um, but but uh, I love it. I love that it's explained. It's like a little uh, little Mythbusters going on here kind of situation where we're figuring things out. Keep it coming. What else do you want to know? Oh, dude. I just remembered this. <laughs> what else do you want to know? <laughs> uh, what about back in the day? Fuck, when was it? I don't know how long ago it was. I remember some shit on the internet of you posting a photo with some dude, and uh, people freaked out. True. Uh, me kissing my, my homie. Yeah. <laughs> That's what my friend Ben Blundell. You can give him a Let's give him an air, air horn. horn. I'm glad you brought that up because people. No oh, time out. My ear, I'm on the wrong air horn thing. I'm getting floppy over here. Let me go back. All right, we got to let's give him there. Is it horn. five o'clock or something? Yeah, we're fading. <laughs> At five o'clock, I start shutting three, down. Doc. All right, we got the air horn. We're good. We're back. So your homie Ben. Yeah, I don't know. It was just Halloween, and then I think we were just like a bit faded, and we're like, let's. We should just post a photo of us kissing or something. I don't even fucking know. It was just like, like we're just like. Fucking around, I don't know. And then people freaked out. People just lost it. Yeah. Dude, it was like the response was fucked up. Dude, it was crazy. And then I didn't think of anything posting it. I just thought it was like, I don't know. He's one of my best friends, and I kind of like. I was like, I wonder. It was kind of an experiment almost. I'd be like, I wonder how like who's gonna like expose themselves and being like fucking whack people. So there's a lot of haters. Oh yeah, there's. I got like crazy like hate mail and shit. You lost wow. a bunch of followers. I too. lost like over a hundred followers. Like, wow. How all, long ago was this? Probably like four years ago. What's it funny, like you did it ago. now. It's like anyone who did that would be taken out, out and and shut down themselves, and dude, and everyone would give you nothing but positivity. I mean, there's still people out there like that, though. For but sure. they wouldn't. They would hide themselves now, yeah. probably. You know, just interesting. That is a good experiment. Yeah, but yeah, it's just. And then there was like articles and shit. Like, I was just like, "Whoa, this is crazy." I didn't really like. What know. like uh, snowboard articles? Yeah, yeah. Like I think like. Yo beat or something. Oh, okay. Just like I don't know, some weird shit. I didn't think of anything of it. I think we were just like kind of faded and like posted and then like woke up in the morning. I was like, oh my god, like it's crazy. Yeah, crazy. It's crazy to see when people show their ugliest. Like I used to fuck with you, but now I don't because of this. Like really, dude? Yeah, I got mad. I got mad shit like that. And I even hearing people just talking around town, they're like, they'd be like, that's you know, say some crazy shit. You're like, dude, really? Like that's affecting. Your yeah. life that much? Who yeah. gives a shit? So funny. It's kind of like green jacket, gold jacket. Who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. One other story I want to bring up while we while we got the uh, time is when we were uh, we were in Sasfe. I got airlifted out because I tried to back seven this thing, and I did this like penciled out back seven, laid on my back, 
couldn't move my legs, and I was like pretty fucked up. And I remember shortly after you were making fun of me on the trampoline, doing these spinning flips, <laughs> completely locked body, being like, "Hey, I'm Chris," <laughs> and you had to get airlifted. That was a Solomon trip. Huh? I remember hearing about that. Jed is incredibly good at roasting the homies when he needs to. Yeah, sorry about that. That's pretty fucked up. Were you still at the hospital or what? <laughs> no, I think he was no. This out. is he back. Was... No, I was. I actually could walk around shortly oh, after. Okay. I, it was like weird, like my back seat. Yeah, up. weird, like Seize freak up. out. Yeah, I think Curtis, I was just like Curtis roasting him, like up. noticing. I was just like being like it wasn't even that serious, and just kind of trying to roast him. <laughs> yeah, I'm like you're walking around. <laughs> no, it wasn't that serious. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, at the time, I couldn't. I just couldn't move for a second there. But that's super sketchy. Yeah, you've you've got a pretty good skill at uh, roasting the homies. I seen you, and you wanna you wanna get somebody. You're pretty good at decent at it. Decent roaster, <laughs> Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers roasters chicken. One other thing I just want to jump back into before we get out that just sparked into my brain with with talking to Jake. He was kind of saying that now that you've been doing it for however many 12-plus video parts and you're you're building this kind of, like, catalog of work, do you feel like you're, as you, as you keep progressing and evolving, you're kind of, like, overviewing your whole catalog and, and trying to build on that now i don't know that was something he, he was kind of expressing what do you mean like as far as how to better yeah how to, how to better your your whole um overview of your career you could say like how to refine it yeah in a way. do i think about that yeah yeah definitely like i think about like i look at some of my old video parts and i cringe <laughs> and i'm like oh like that clip's disgusting or like I was wearing some like whack shit or whatever, but it's also cool is like a time little time capsule to look back on. But yeah, no, I definitely do. I, I think every year that I move on and I decide to make a commitment towards filming for a project, it's like, how can I m come out of this with a product that I'm going to be happy with and something that is almost like maybe more mature I don't know if that's the right word, but just something that's that makes sense. It's like a building block. Mm -hmm. And like how can I diversify what I've already done or how can I how can I continue to keep this interesting for myself and for people watching it? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I definitely think about all of that. It reminds me of like a band that's been going for a long time and like led like Led Zeppelin, you know, and it's like <laughs> whatever, maybe that's a shitty example, but they the body of work over time like you see it evolve and change, and it's all good. But like that whole, the fucking Latex Mansion Greatest Hits album is going to be a of. slapper, <laughs> you know. I so. look, yeah, and like, I think someone like Ave is like a prime example. Of, he, all his footage is always amazing, and he's like a he's like forty five or something, you know, and he's still putting out like amazing footage. But it's di it's not necessarily it's different, but. That's like so motivating because I'm like, I have, if I if he's doing like that, like you can do it for a, a minute, and I don't know that I am super inspired by people like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people want to put an expiration date on your career, and oh, he's this old. Well, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna revolving door, just get out with the old and with the new. And there's there's you know, we don't know what the the ceiling is. Like a lot more people are looking yeah. forward to an Ave part than the local nine-year-old that can hard flip the stairs that nobody's heard of. Like, Dude, I, I, you know? 
and I think we get myself included, like we get stuck of watching or basing our reality off of what has been done. But it's like, I don't know. I, it's exciting to think you could there that that isn't really a, a real thing. Like people didn't think Abe was going to be filming like these parts. People would be like, no, that's impossible. But I don't know. It's cool just to think of, like how far can you push it? Mm-hmm. Like as long as your body and exactly your drive allows and it. Your, as long as your body and your drive are still there. Mm-hmm. You just got to stay healthy and mentally focused on the drive. Yeah. Well, what's next for uh, Latex Match? <laughs> Been working on this project with Jake Kennedy and Hayden Wrench. Shout out to Hayden and Kennedy, for sure. Um, that's going to be coming out in the fall, just a, a video. We worked on it this year. Kind of a, obviously a weird year for it with traveling and everything, but I think Hayden's so talented, like he'll make something awesome. and I'm excited to see what what happens with it and then other than that yeah i just been working on this adidas clip as well out here trying to get some clips for that um and then after this yeah i don't know go back to canada and quarantine for two weeks i guess is that what you got to do when you go home yeah so quentin quarantino yeah was it a nightmare to get into the states it was pretty chill like um you just had to make sure all your ducks are in a row um have the right covid test and have all the info, your return flight and where you're staying, who you're staying with, all their contact info. Like, it's super weird because you're used to going through customs and there's so many people everywhere. It was me and one other guy. Oh, wow. It was su- and, and Toronto is a big airport. Even, yeah. So it was just, it felt very dystopian and kind of like some weird sci-fi movie. Do they have the vaccine shot available in Canada? I don't know. I know like here, anyone can get it now. Deadlong got it at Smith's yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Anyone can just roll in. That's wild. Roll in, maybe not him being a Canadian, but... One more topic uh, that we didn't talk about at all, and maybe that was on purpose. How come you used to rock a helmet, and all of a sudden you switched and got away from it? You made it look good back in the day. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think that I just... I don't know why I used to. Just, say, yeah, safety. Safety thing, obviously, and... Um, I don't know if it was because you were younger and maybe your and mom was like, and well, I was, I was, you young, I, I was just younger too, yeah, and definitely just grew up wearing one, and I think there was definitely like a fear of taking it off and hitting my head, and and I still think helmets are cool, like, and I think that it's fine. It's just I have no other reason than aesthetically that I just don't like how my footage looks as much, which is stupid. But yeah, because you rocked it for so many years, right? Like how yeah. long? I have no idea. Quite a while, though. long time, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't have any excuses. I heard the helmet excuses. community was sad that that you stopped embracing it. It's not even that I don't embrace it. Like, I still embrace it. I think it's sick if people wear it. Like, I have no yeah. issues. Just, like, for myself. Just like, personal. I decided not to wear it for right now, but maybe I'll go back to it one of these days. Like, I have nothing against it. Yeah. Before we leave this booth, I noticed it's raining outside, and... uh but it's been a mild winter here in Utah. What does that mean? It about? has been a mild winter. What that means for Salt Lake is there's going to be an uptick in the rat population. And uh, my dog, Uno, killed a rat the other day, actually, which was pretty tight because we have a serious problem in, in cotton yeah, Uno. Big problem. Yeah, Uno snapped U- its neck. Big shout-out to Uno. Big, big shout-out. You had the crazy air horn for Uno. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're doing Uno. super air horn? Yeah. For Uno. Yeah, Uno. <laughs> 
that rat's neck. Wow, Uno, super air horn. Yeah, but be yeah. on the lookout for an uptick in the rat population. Serious thing in Salt Lake. I heard uh, you got to make sure you dispose of your dog shit correctly because they like to eat that. True. You want to stay up on that? Another issue in my neighborhood, the neighbors, they try to poison the rats. Really? And uh, it's been killing other people's dogs. Yeah, that's so sketchy, yeah. I feel like. So there's been a big, big thing put out in Cottonwood about, or all over Salt Lake, just about not poisoning the rats with that nasty stuff. Also kills the owls that are around. Wow. Big issue. OVO. You don't want to be killing those owls. Yeah. But dude, I, I, I work uh, I work with my laptop on my my uh, kitchen table sometimes. And these little rats, I just see them walk no. past my doorway. Not in the house. Okay. I'm like right by the doorway, and I just see this little bat. Scurry? A little scurry? Well, he's not. He like pimp walk past. He's not even scared. Really? But now hopefully that Uno killed one. So those guys are bred for that? Yeah. French bulldogs were, were bred in Paris to kill... Kill down the rat population. God damn it, that's informative. Yeah. So if you have a rat problem, get a French bulldog. Okay, noted. Before we get out of here, Latex, you want to hit us with a couple thank yous? Yeah, I just first and foremost want to thank my family, um, my mom and dad. I love you guys very much. Super air horn. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, my brother and his wife, Bree, and my niece and nephew. I love you guys very much. Uh, my girlfriend Leah, love you very much. Love all my friends very much. Thanks. I'm just super grateful to have so many uh, awesome people in my life that care about me, and I care about them a lot too. Um, other than that, as far as snowboarding goes, I just want to say thank you to all the sponsors that have been helping or who have helped me out throughout my career: Air Blaster, Burton Form, uh, Nike, and then of course my current sponsors. Ride and Adidas, I couldn't be happier to be with you guys. Super air horn for both of those. <laughs> yeah. Chris is working that, yeah. that thing. Gunshot, super air horn. Woo! I feel like yeah. DJ Matty Mo. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like, yeah, the whole Solomon years were, like, so formative for both of us. And Hava and Lou, like, those dudes, like, really, I don't know. Help me out a lot. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's, it's like you said, you can't name everyone, but if I forgot you and I don't know, you know, if I fuck with you and I care about you, <laughs> I hope. Well, Jed, I say thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, the whole goddamn snowboarding community and anybody that knows you, you've had a huge, I don't think you realize how big your impact has been on um, a generation of people. So it's been an honor to sit down and chat with you. And, uh, man, wish you success and can't wait to keep watching what you do year in, year out. And uh, Thank thank goodness you're back, man. We're oh, stoked. Th- thanks so much we for having you. me. No, the podcast, I listen to. It's awesome. Hell yeah. You guys are doing some good shit. That's sick. That makes us happy to hear. Warms the heart. And uh, we want to thank you guys for listening, watching, tuning in every week. We will see you guys next week over and out from the bomb hole. <laughs>